Sifters, it's Thursday night, and that can mean just one thing. It is time for Game Face live on Twitch. It's time for Shane to miss the NFL game. <laughs> My brother in arms, Matt Kyle, is back <laughs> after a little bit of a vacation. Did you enjoy your time up north? Yeah, it's pretty good outside of the fall allergies. Yeah, was it allergies or sickness that allergies. got you? Allergies. That's what happens when I go back home. What happens to me a lot of times is it starts as allergies, and then because it like runs me down, then I end mm. up getting like a legitimate cold or something ultimately. Nah, I never get colds. What happens is I get like the big allergy attack, and then sometimes it turns into a throat infection. No, oh. and that's it. That's the only thing I ever get sick with. One thing I will say is allergy medicine is amazing. Uh, it doesn't work too well on me. It anymore. works like magic on me. It's insane. Like I went home a few weeks ago, and. I haven't had a cat in forever. My cat died several years ago, and I was like, that's it. I'm not getting another one. My mom has cats. Mm. And I think my body has, like, changed now. And, like, I went into her house, and, like, I immediately had, like, an allergy attack. Mm. She gave me, like, a Zantac or something, and I was good for, like, three days. Like, this stuff's amazing. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work on me. Although the antihistamines knock me out, so I get, like, right. weird and loopy, and I don't, it, yeah, it's not a lot of fun. And then pass out and drool on yourself Like, on when couch. I was a kid, I used to have to get <laughs> shots. Yeah, I did too. When yeah. I was like five, they did that thing when they stick you in the yep. back like a million times. No fun. No. So I stayed a little longer than I expected because I didn't get everything done. I needed to get done. But well, I did eventually. Well, at least you made it back for Game Face. Yep. And, uh, you know, I've been seeing on podcasts all week this week, there's nothing to talk about. Mm. It's dead in the industry. I saw some comments on Twitch before we started, like, what could they possibly talk about? We're going to talk about how dead it is. Yeah, we're not actually. <laughs> like, we, I think we have a great show. We have... Several topics to talk about before we even start the Big Six, and then we get into the Big Six, and I think we have really good stuff for you guys tonight. So I think you're going to be excited. Uh, just kind of some bookkeeping, smaller stories to talk about. Uh, Oculus this week, it leaked out, kind of, or actually it was on like a retail site, that the Oculus Touch controllers, Matt, are going to cost 190 euros. That's insane. Dude. <laughs> that makes it more expensive than the Vive. It puts it at about the same place mm -hmm. as the Vive. And I'm just wondering, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the Vive has beaten Oculus just because of the price. I just assume people would buy the cheaper option. And now those people, I'm wondering if, like, they had an idea that to get the same functionality out of Oculus, they'd end up spending the same amount of money, and they'd rather just have the room VR that they got with the Vive. Well, that's the thing is, like, the you know, if you're going to pay 800 bucks, you might as well get the room scale. Yeah. Know? Like, there's no reason. To, I will say this. Uh, I like the Oculus Touch controllers a little better. They're great. Uh, they're, yeah. really, they're really comfortable and really really nice and small. You know, like the Vive controllers are pretty huge. Yeah. And the, 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 the Oculus Touch, um, it felt the best to play Star Trek with. Let's yeah. Because it, it felt like more of an extension <laughs> of your fingertips. Yeah. But um, not a good enough reason to switch headsets. I can't, I can't understand why they're so expensive, one. Two, why in the hell is it taking so long for these things that to come I, out? I don't even have a theory. I've played with them almost like a year yeah. ago. Yeah, Like, and they worked fine. Yeah, no complaints. Like, even if there were some quirks and with they, them. And they haven't gotten any different or better no, since then. they look exactly yeah. the same. And look, there's probably some little quirks with them that they were trying right. to iron out. Not, like, nine or ten months of ironing out. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a fatal flaw in them or something that they know. found. Like, I'm completely at a loss for why these things aren't out yet. Um, 
Well, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> this is rough for Oculus, because already he's yeah. kind of getting his butt kicked by Vive, and now there's really no reason whatsoever yeah. to buy Oculus. The other thing Oculus. about Oculus is that, you know, there was a, they had a sale on the Oculus store. The first ever. First ever. I picked up a couple things, because uh, I can I can use the, the Revive thing to play it through right. Revive. I'm always struck when I go to the Oculus store, like, how few games there are yeah. on it. And beyond that, how few of them I actually care about playing. Yeah. Um... I picked up the new Insomniac game, the Feral Rights uh, thing. Beat 'em up, uh, which I haven't tried yet, but four bucks was the right price there. It's only four dollars. Four ninety nine for. It just uh, went on sale. It just was yeah, released. Yeah, it was four ninety nine. Like, it was like normally ago. thirty or something. Wow. It was like, it was, I was like, yeah, done. Holy cow! Um, and it's I, not getting amazing reviews. No, but for five bucks, I mean, whatever. Hell. You'll take what you can get. You need content, right? But yeah, and also you play two of those, uh, like two arcade games at Dave and Buster's. There's five bucks right. gone right there. Yeah, so it's yeah. Like, yeah. And. Um, so I haven't tried it yet, but cool. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also like, I'll buy whatever Insomniac puts out. You know, I'll support Insomniac, yeah, yeah. no matter what. And I appreciate that they're trying to make real games on this thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's about it. I mean, it's like it's my library on on the Vive is pretty. You know, I got like forty games, but like three of them are Oculus, and like you just you, you just think there'd be more by now. So I don't know if you remember or not, but I've drawn a parallel uh, between VR. And the first 3D games with like the N64, mm-hmm. and how I felt like VR is kind of providing this brand new experience, and it kind of even games or genres that you've played before feel fresh and new mm-hmm. when you play them in VR. <laughs> I feel like that parallel is kind of carrying over to software, where you have this very limited amount of software, and it almost gets to the point where like each game release is like an event. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're just expecting a game to come out every week, but when everyone, everyone one does, you really pay a close attention mm-hmm. to it, if you own the headset, obviously. I mean, that was the N64 experience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like that whole thing's kind of being replicated again yeah. with well, you VR. Well, kind of, you kind of that period where like everybody's trying to figure out, you know, basically this new language yep. of how to present a game, and how yeah. to control a game, and how to function. And yeah, you definitely see that happening. Like the, the funny thing is, like, it's sort of the N sixty four PS one parallel is actually uh, probably be- even better now than it was when you originally proposed it because you're seeing that with this. Although the success of the different platforms is reversed, because you're seeing, like, I think the Oculus reminds me of PS one. It's like here's right. the standard experiences, sort of. This is VR one hundred and one. Yeah, basically. but it's got music and it's got FMV and it's got, yeah. Right. And you know, meanwhile, the N sixty four is like we don't know. Like you, you use the yellow camera buttons to to drive, yeah. and you use the <laughs> this the the analog stick you use to control the flying teddy bear. Like right. we don't we, like we're just just try it to see what you think. You can use two if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And like so, like Vive really feels like it's trying to like new things and sort of exploring that space the way the N sixty four did and. Uh, well, it's also Oculus, and also because Oculus it can't move around, right? You know, and doesn't have the touch control. You basically you're, you've got a, you got goggles on your face. You're playing with a nice a 360 controller, basically. The other parallel too is that, like your comparison, comparing Oculus to PlayStation One and Vive to N64, it also kind of holds water when you think about the in-game experience. Mm. Like the actual in-game experience was kind of better on N64 as far as the visuals that you had while you played. But PS1 kind of had the frivolities, like you said, like play FMV mm-hmm. and being a, a CD player as well. Like, there's a lot of parallels between mm-hmm. that generation of consoles and what's happening with VR right now. But I'll tell you one thing: like, they're gonna have to lower the price of those controllers. Yeah, 
because it's probably also lower the price of some of those games. Yeah, because thirty nine ninety nine is not going to get me to buy that Edge of Nowhere thing anytime soon. Yeah. The other thing is I keep running into is and Chronos does this. Uh, a couple other games do this. Is like um, the Oculus Store only. So this might be like a Oculus compatibility thing with the Vive. But they can, you know, the game, so the Oculus games, you basically, you just sit there and you play them with a controller. You know, it's like you're in VR and you look around, but you can't, you know, it's not a room scale thing. You, yeah. know, you have to sit there in your chair. Um, the Oculus games continually put, so, so basically there's a set screen. There's a forward, right, in an yeah. Oculus game. There's a direction you're supposed to be looking. Yeah. The Oculus games continually put forward behind me. And so I have to turn around in my chair and look behind, like, like away, away from, from my computer. Away from computer. And with the, the that's the one place <laughs> that that's, a little that's weird. the one place the cords on the Vive become a problem because like now I'm trying to turn and I got a cord on the controller and I'm trying to get this over the cord of the yeah. thing and I got this okay this is and I'm like how is it that the that the, the Vive's cords become a problem when I'm playing non-Vive games yeah. like, the, what, like it's the, I'm playing games for the for the, the headset that's supposed to stay in one place well to be fair you are kind of hacking it a little bit to get those games to work yeah, on but it's, Vive but so. like it's just I don't know if I got an Oculus uh, that Kronos would like display in front of me and it, it just probably would actually the, well because like the other games I've played on, on uh, Oculus display in front of me yeah. like, Kronos is behind just Kronos me. for yeah. whatever reason I don't know what that I haven't found a way to change that interesting um, I mean I just turn you know in the end it's simple enough to turn around but it's just like it's a weird little thing where it's like, oh, now it matters where where the game is, not yeah. just what it looks like. It's just like it's like, oh, I don't. And I've had points where I'm like, oh, maybe I should play some more Chronos. Yeah, I don't want to turn around. <laughs> it's just like it's like it's like how lazy can That's you get? So but it's like it, it does make me play like Eve Dunjack instead. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have to say, I am getting really excited for PlayStation VR. It's just a couple weeks away. Uh, finally, I'll be able to sit down and actually do like a session with it instead of just having waiting in line behind journalists and getting my ten minutes and then mm. getting shuffled along. Like, I'm all, it's also been interesting watching people, and I've kind of like watched everybody else and kind of learned how they've been shooting VR. Mm-hmm. And really, no one's found a good way to do it. No. Like even today, we curated a couple videos of people playing VR where. It was awkward, and they're like trying to, you know, do commentary while they're playing, and like the mic cord's getting wrapped in the cord for like. Mm. No one's figured it out yet. I'm so, so happy we don't have to do X play. Yeah, I know. Like figure out VR. how to review VR games. But then again, we could do like a whole episode in VR on X play or something. True. Or just do like a weird you're, you're, virtual you're, you're reality. You're that close. Really. <laughs> like... uh, let's see what else. Uh, Pokemon Company. So. All these rumors have been flying around about NX, you know, coming from various sources, some reliable, some not as reliable, all the fake mock-ups and things like that we've seen. Nintendo has held tight and not announced anything about the NX. And then the Wall Street Journal does an interview with the head of the Pokemon company, and he just tells everybody, yeah, it's a console handheld hybrid. It's it's it almost read like he wasn't aware that they he wasn't said supposed that yet. yeah exactly like he totally let the like cat he, out of the like bag. he's known what this is for so long the idea that the general public doesn't know is like alien to him well he also works for Pokemon Company right. which is kind of this company that's a little bit secretive and does things behind closed doors and probably isn't out and about on social yeah. media and on the press sites and things like that I could see where. He would be insulated enough that he would not realize that this is something I should not say. Although I could also see, like, just being frustrated with Nintendo's lack of communication that to the public be. and be like, hey, maybe if I say this, they'll actually have to tell them something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and look, I'm guessing Nintendo. And what's Nintendo going to do? Say, like, oh, we don't want to do business with the Pokemon Company anymore? No, no. way. Like... Yeah, and I'm sure Nintendo saw that quote and was like, oh my God. 
and it's too late to get it back. And even if it had gone to like the Wall Street Journal and said, hey, could you not run this? Wall Street Journal would have no, said, screw you. Like, that's not how they play. They're like, we have him on we'll tape send, saying this. We'll send you free NX. No, <laughs> that's not, we don't do that here. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, it's crazy to think finally now it's really been confirmed by somebody who knows that it is, mm. in fact, a handheld console hybrid. I mean, we had all kind of assumed that. But yeah. we'd assume things before. But this is the first, the closest to official confirmation we've had so far. No, we'd have to wait for them to show it to us. Yeah. Maybe that'll happen someday. No, maybe I mean, one day. We're, we're like, couple what, of weeks? five months away from it supposedly releasing? I mean, I still believe they don't, if they can help it, they don't want it to slip out of this fiscal year. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's getting down to it, boys. Like, yeah. It's, you know, I, I feel like... Once the PSVR comes out, you're kind of you kind of missed your window to like grab the zeitgeist there. Yeah, yeah. you better it's like better have it out and like, better do something in the next two or two weeks or no, so. No, you're right. They should announce NX before October 13th mm-hmm. when PlayStation VR comes out. That's absolutely right. I think you're you're onto something there. Like otherwise, it could just be because mm-hmm. when PlayStation VR I mean, comes you know, new out, new hardware is exciting and all, but like PSVR is new hardware you can actually go get. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the word of mouth for PlayStation VR is going to be huge. I think yeah. people are going to be talking about it. I don't think it's going to be like a Pokemon Go type thing or anything No, I don't like think that, it's going to be like the, like the commercial where the guy comes back in time and right. warns the guy, like, not, you know, <laughs> don't do this because it ruins the planet. That's yeah. an interesting marketing tactic, isn't it? Like, yeah. our product will make the world vulnerable to being invaded by aliens. That's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's the commercial for PlayStation VR. Well, I'll say this. My wife, my gaming barometer for the average person, like... We were watching football last weekend, and a PlayStation VR commercial came on, and it has a line in it that says, the future of gaming. Mm-hmm. And my wife immediately perked up and was like, with future of gaming, what's that? And I'm like, it's VR. It's what I've been telling you about. And she's like, oh, so you know, their commercials are working. Mm. Like, it's getting the attention of people who typically don't pay attention. Who, who you know, knew that line would get any... I mean, I've heard that line from so many press conferences and PR sheets that, like, it doesn't even register in my head anymore. But TV commercials, though, yeah. it's different. And it totally just snapped her to attention and was like, what? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, she's married to me. Right. So she has a bit of a more acute radar for stuff like that than the average person. But still, you know, dozens of video game commercials went by while you we were watching football. She mm-hmm. didn't take note of any of them. As soon as that line came up in that commercial, she was at attention and like, what? What's that? So, well, I think they're being very smart also by including that demo disc. Yeah. 18 Which, games here. Yeah. Eight games in Europe, I think. Yeah, Europe's getting screwed. Europe, you're getting shafted. What's up with that? They're used to it. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, it's on. It's just a waiting game now with, uh, with NX. I, look, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, tomorrow there's a press release that goes out that says... Nintendo Direct next week or whatever, and we do get it like before PlayStation VR is announced. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's not that apathetic, nor that conceited, to think that it's irrelevant. Like it, it's it, it, there's no way it's going to say we don't care what they're doing. We have the NX that we're going to show, and it's going to trump everything. Like after the Wii U, it needs to be a more humble company that's a little more cognizant of what's going on in the industry around it. Because well, I would hope. It's just not a given anymore. I mean, they, you can say you're not competing with PlayStation as much as you want, but... You are. You are. You're competing for those same yeah. dollars. So, hopefully, in the next week or two, we get some kind of an announcement letting us know when we'll get an announcement for the announcement. Right. We know how that worked out for Final Fantasy XV. Oh. <laughs> you think Final Fantasy XV is going to make it this year? I think it is, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, the explanations that they've given for why it was delayed, basically, like, one of them was like, oh, the broadband penetration in Japan's mm. really weak. And uh, we're concerned that people won't be able to get that day one patch and they'll play a broken game. Do I believe that? 
Yeah, fifty fifty probably. I mean, yeah, I mean I mean it does make sense. It's sort of it's sort of a, a temptation to be like you gotta leave the old tech behind yeah. at some point. I know? just feel like doing anything specifically for the Japanese market right right now is a mistake. I mean, maybe a couple years from now it's revived. I highly doubt it. But maybe in a couple years from now, Japan revives a little bit and it is relevant. But right now, it is pretty much irrelevant. Persona 5, between the two versions this week, sold 300,000 copies in Japan, which by Japan standards is like blockbuster smash hit. But you go back and look at like when big games came out in Japan, mm. like even five years ago, 300 grand was like a joke. And I feel like a lot of these Japanese publishers, and I get it. Like they were like porn games that sold that much yeah, over yeah. there. And I get it, like, you know, they're Japanese publishers and they want to make sure that they're well represented in their territory. But when you're just looking at the bottom line, like, making decisions based on Japan is not the right decision if you want to make money and you're interested in the bottom line. Mm. So, so we'll see. Uh, let's see, what else? Blizzard drops the battle.net name. Big deal or news or noise? Uh, kind of noise, but sort of like the end of an era if you've been around long enough, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, frankly, I think it's about time because, like, you know, I've always, I've thought it's weird over the last, like, t you know, five to ten years that Blizzard's major online service doesn't have their name in it. Yeah. You know, like, just, you know, Battle.net was, it made sense when it was more of a, you know, a multiplayer kind of competitive head-to-head -head thing that, like, you know, based around uh, StarCraft more than, and WarCraft more than anything else. But it's more than that. It's become more than that. It's become, uh, you know, like the hub for Warcraft, World of Warcraft and and uh, Hearthstone and, well, and now Overwatch. So, like, it just, you know, Battle.net would make sense if they were kind of trying to make it into, like, a Steam thing for, like, stuff other than just Blizzard. But, like, yeah. since they're just going Blizzard, it, is, it clearly is a Blizzard-only service. I think it makes a lot more sense to rebrand it as a Blizzard. But Well, they're not rebranding it, though. That's the thing. They're not renaming it. Like, it's not, they're not giving oh, it a new name at all. They're just going to refer to everything as Blizzard from now on. They're just not referring to it specifically as anything. Mm. Because in Blizzard's, and I kind of get this, Blizzard's whole explanation was, well, you know, there really isn't like, here's just this online game, here's just this single player game. Like, every game is connected now. Mm. So to kind of have this separate designation to say, here's where you go to play our online games doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. So I kind of get that. Plus, Battle.net was just a really dumb name. Yeah, well. <laughs> it's like, it's I'm, total I'm, I'm, 90s internet oh, is yeah. what it is. Yeah, the, the, the .net thing. Kind of, I mean, it makes sense in, like, in the sense of like, whoever, oh, we got Battle. Just yeah. Battle. It's called Battle.net. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like it's like we got Website.com. You know, it's, like, yeah. it's, it's great. Like, but, why didn't they just name it like Blizzard Online or something like right from the get-go? It's really know. odd. I never thought that I, name was I heard idea. back in the because I remember asking that back in the day, and I remember there was there was some people I knew who they hadn't they didn't work directly with Blizzard, but they were working with uh, M Player. You remember that? that yeah, old yeah stuff? of course, Impact. yeah. Um, and they said that's that, some '90s stuff yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They said that they heard that the reason they didn't want to call it like Blizzard Online because they didn't want it to be Bo. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> and I still think that back in the day there what? was some ambition to make because yeah, it was back when you know, you know, M Player and all those services that you know, and GameSpy Arcade and all, you know, which eventually bought M Player. Um, the idea was to create this service that could connect gamers to the online features, and I think BattleNet was probably originally made with an eye to being more than just Blizzard games eventually. Yeah, I'm sure. And that just never, never happened because why? Like why complicate things with non-Blizzard games when you're making more money than you can count with your own stuff? Yep. 
So, Bon Voyage, can't say I'm going to miss you too much, Battle.net. No, I haven't really thought about it recently, but it's like, it's, it's one of those... One of those things that's just kind of always been there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's, okay, let's change it. All right. Hmm. Yep. So while you were out last week, um, Tokyo Game Show happened. I don't yeah. know if you caught any of what was going on there. I watched a lot of trailers. Yeah. Um, it's about it, you know. Anything strike your fancy before we kind of get into what um, we're going to talk about? Yeah, that was a while ago. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> stuck in my... I mean, obviously, the Super Mario Run thing was... Not a shock, but it was like that. I mean, that was uh, the that Apple wasn't TGS. So that was the Apple was conference, the Apple, but it was yeah. still sort of like you know Japanese game news. Yeah, um, I watched the Persona stuff. I watched uh, um, oh, what was that? Uh, Persona out in the wild now. Yeah, there's pretty much the whole game on YouTube if you wanna if you're weak. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't I don't need I don't need to watch someone else play an RPG. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I watched the Last Guardian stuff and all that. You know, yeah. the, 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 I, now I can't. There was something I saw. I was like, "Ooh, that looks really cool." Now I can't remember what it is. I'm gonna have to go back through my sifted feed. Birthdays, maybe. The no, it was pretty cool. It was like some anime RPG ish thing. Maybe, there was I'll, a lot of those. Yeah, there was a lot of those. But it was one that was like, "Oh, that looks cool." Like it was by someone that I was like, "Oh, those guys." Maybe it was like a new. Tra- maybe it was like the announcement that like Trails of Cold Steel or one of those games. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate anymore, but like, I, I, saw some, I saw a lot of trailers. That was about it. Well, I'll tell you what hit me the hardest of from TGS, ultimately, at the end of the show, after I'd watched all the media and done all the curating and everything, was Yakuza 6. Oh, yeah, yeah. That game yeah. looks hot. Yeah, it looks good. Really like, good. Poor, poor Kazuma just constantly ended up taking care of children that are not his own. I, yeah. don't, know, I don't know what <laughs> is happening there. There's, there's clearly a swerve there, by the way. They're saying it's, it's Haruka, the kid, he, the girl, little girl he takes care of, and the original Yakuza is grown up now, and... Apparently she has a kid, and she ends up in a coma, and, and he has to take care of this baby. And A, that's a trick. Like, she, she's taking care of that kid for someone else to protect them somehow. Right. And uh, B, there has got to be an action sequence where you beat up, like, 100 guys while holding the baby. Yeah. Like, that, <laughs> I will not accept anything less. I was just blown away by the variety that they showed off of that game at TGS. And I'm yeah. sorry, I wish we had loaded up some B-roll of this game. We hadn't planned on talking about it, but... Man, yeah. there is so much and crazy stuff to do in that. It gives That's me, it's, it still gives me like a crazy Shenmue vibe. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you saw the one like the mini games trailer that they put out. It just has like all the little like games that you play. Mm-hmm. It's total, total yep. throwback to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just and like, it's got Virtua Fighter Five in it. Yeah, it's got Virtua Fighter Five in it. These weird mini games where you're feeding like 500 cats. There's like, yeah. <laughs> there's weird cam girls thing that's yeah. like built into the like. It is just can't it, wait to see if that makes it to the western. Yeah, version. I highly doubt it. But I I don't know though because like last time they cut like one some one of those weird like the hostess bar thing Yakuza Three the community like the the fans went crazy yeah, and, and Sega's did, included yeah. everything since then. So I wonder like they're gonna get the same level of backlash. On the hell, if if it like you know, and everyone's like, oh my god, people will freak out, or like you know, like you know, like, uh, fem- feminist frequency will have a field day, or like that, or you know, I'm like, good, like yeah. let's get, let's get some publicity for Yakuza out you're not there, one way any, or the other, because you're not going to put any marketing money. No, on like that's that's the best marketing <laughs> you could possibly have is if people get up in arms about how offensive this thing is, and like yeah. all these people are going to hear about it. Yeah, but I was really really impressed. That's a with really that game. Sh- that's a sleazy way to market your game, but like, hey, it it's Sega. We got to take what we can get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I was really, even just like the base gameplay, like the melee, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's lots of little details in that game that you would see in games like Uncharted. Mm-hmm. Just like context-sensitive animations when characters get close to objects, like, man, just the stuff that I saw in that game at Tokyo Game Show 
really impressive to me. I'm really excited for that game. But let's get to what we wanted to actually talk about, Death Stranding. So I don't know if you saw, like, Kojima's little presentation he did at Sony's press conference, kind of before the whole show kicked off. No. Where he talked about, like, the I saw that it happened, but the, It was insane. Well, at that, he talked about showing the game further on Saturday, at actually at TGS, which he did. And really all we got out of that was that the game is coming out before the Olympics in Tokyo, which is, I think, 2020. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 2016 right now, Matt. If we're lucky. <laughs> if he has a good run of development, we yeah. might get it by then. And then, like, recently people have kind of insinuated that it actually will be coming out in 2018 or 2019. Good luck with that one. Um, that is indeed before 2020. It is, but... yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like he's right back on the same treadmill that he's been on his entire career with that four- or five-year development cycle. Um, saying still that there's not... They still haven't really started working on the game. They've decided on the engine, and they're about to start working in earnest. So I would put that in right around 2020. Yeah. He's got that Sony bank account that they, you know, the coffers that Sony filled up for him to make the game, but I wonder if Sony will be as patient or, I mean, I even know. Konami. And, I mean, you're looking, I mean that you're looking at, like, the week before the Olympics opening ceremony right. that <laughs> like, summer in 2020. Like, they light the torch and the game comes yeah. out, like, and he'll probably be pressed to get that done in time. So, yeah, it's funny for someone to announce a release date four years away. That they're hoping to hit before four mm. years from now. That's it's like the opposite of the Fallout Four strategy. Yeah, I can't. I don't think I've I've ever seen that before. In fact, there was a game a couple weeks ago that was announced. And it was announced as like a 2018 game, and that was the first time we had to put a release date in Sifted of hmm. 2018. And I thought that was a little curious. Yeah. And then well, you could probably go ahead and do that on Kingdom Hearts Three already. Yeah, right? you're probably right. But I should probably just put TBA into that one, actually. So you see, it was some. I can't. I don't. I can't remember what store it was, but it was like. Oh, it was Metacritic. It was the Metacritic like readout of the upcoming games this year, and in each each game had like a genre. Yeah. And under uh, the Last Guardian, the genre was vaporware. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, someone at Metacritic's having some fun. Huh? I see. That's great. I see you. That's great. I'm gonna start doing that for canceled games on <laughs> Sifted. Instead of having canceled in the release date, I'll just put vaporware in there. That's pretty clever. Uh, then one last thing before we move to the big six, uh, Forza Horizon 3. Uh, I talked about it on the show last week. I had played it for a couple of days. I've now played it for a week. And I, I don't know if you, wa- you actually did not get to watch the show last week, but I was enjoying the game a lot after two days. And after a week, I'm enjoying the game even more. It's really, really good. Um, I'm having a blast with it. Um, some really high reviews. Embargo broke yesterday. Mm-hmm. Our eval will be up tomorrow. So just want to let you guys know that. The only that. really negative review I saw was like from this guy who apparently thinks everything should be dirt. No. Oh. Dirt Rally. He compared it to Dirt Rally like four times in the review and gave it a two out of five. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. That's, I, that's why we curate reviews on Sifted and don't put up every review. <laughs> I, have it, I have it ordered um, and preloaded on the PC. We're, we're ready to go. Uh, there is one correction and retraction from last week, though. It's something I said about the game was actually incorrect. Last week I said that you could stream music from multiple music services. That is not the case. You can only stream music from Groove, which is Microsoft's new service. Uh, consequently, when I actually tried to hook up Groove into... Forza Horizon 3, it crashed the game, and I lost a car. Like, I don't even played it yet, but there's these things in the games that are in the game where you have to basically they give you a big area, 
And in that area, there's a barn with a car in it. Right. And if you find the barn, barn finds. yeah. And yeah. if you find the barn, you get the car. I lost a barn find because of the crash. Like literally, my car pulls up to mm. the barn. It goes to go to the cutscene, and it just goes yeah, and just kicks me back to the dashboard. Ooh. And I went back in. I had lost the car, and I had to go back and search that whole freaking area again, looking for the stupid ass <laughs> barn. So. So it's wrong, and you know, anytime I pick up on something, I have or incorrect information. I give you guys, I try to correct it. And there, you can only stream music through Groove. Somehow through Groove, you're supposed to be able to use like music on your PC and stream it from your PC. I could not figure out how to get it to work. Mm. But uh, they do give you a free two-week trial of Groove if you want to try it out. Um, so yeah, just wanted to correct that from uh, last week, and the eval will be up tomorrow. So look for that. Um, I'm kind of. It's a little weird. Like, I'm t- looking at Forza, and I'm looking at, like, our gaming valve system, and it could end up being, like, up there. Yeah? I mean, obviously, there's you know a... story? Yeah, I mean, the story will hurt it, like, big time. <laughs> but, I mean, everything else... How bro is it? Like, the other games, though, it kind of have that, like... It's, it's like, like It's like, bro, come to the festival. Come to the festival, you can have the bomb... Yeah, I mean, I the can't even do it. bomb-ass... Bomb-ass <laughs> festival time... <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, there's a female uh, narrator this time, and I think mm. that takes a little bit of the edge off of it. But there it's was, there still, was, there was one in uh, one of the others. Yeah. Uh, with, like I think it was the first one. It was the first one. I can't I remember it was so, the first yeah. one or the second one. But I, the thing I didn't like about her was it's like she was constantly kind of like, "Ooh, wow, you're really." I'm like, "Stop!" No, like, she does that. Stop so. hitting on me, stupid. Guy. Like, you're not. I don't like. What are you? What am I supposed you're to get real. out of this? Yeah. <laughs> that the fake pre-written narrator girl is like super impressed with my virtual drive like oh yeah. fuck yourself well you like, can talk to her in this one too like oh great through like the connect it's like a cortana type thing where you can actually mm. like say her name and it'll she'll pick it up and try to answer your my connect is in a drawer somewhere so i still have mine hooked up believe it or not <laughs> i gonna know that by the way sifters before we get to the big six there's a deal right now and it's on the site and if you want to find it easily you can just go to the deals channel but right now, you can buy the original Xbox One with Connect, and I think with a game, for $190 on Groupon. Wow. Um, there's some little quirk you have to jump through. I know this is probably only going to work for people who are on the stream, people watching the archive tomorrow. It's probably not going to help you out. But if you guys have been waiting to get an Xbox One if you're, and you're on the stream right now, go buy it. You probably will never find it that cheap ever again. I've never even been close to that cheap Not with before. a Connect, for sure. I mean, it's basically like they are clearing it out. So if you've been waiting to get an Xbox One... I mean, I still have the OG model, and you're not mm. interested in getting, like, the new Slim, like, I would go buy that right now. So, that's a tip. Let's get to the big six. All right, so originally, when we had Destiny Rise of Iron on mm. the docket for the show, I assume we would spend this time talking about all the new content updates and... All the all the raid and all this stuff that they're adding for Rise of Iron, the new campaigns, everything. And so Matt, as you guys probably know, is a big Destiny player. How many hours would you say you put into Destiny at this point? Around a hundred. Around a hundred hours. I the, you, the trick here is that those hundred hours were over a year ago. Right. <laughs> so. Okay. So as you know, I finished the game and played an extra like five hours, and then I never touched it again. So Matt. Why don't you tell us your story about Destiny Rise of Iron? So I loaded it up. Um, I mean, preload and all that stuff. And I loaded it up to, to poke around. And I was, you know, I, I didn't do a ton of Taken King Con. I did the story, and I, but I didn't do a lot of, like, you know, the Taken War stuff and the, the extra class 
uh, you know, like the the Storm Seeker. I'm a Warlocks, a Storm Seeker, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's universal, but like, um, I didn't do a lot of that. So a lot of the grinding, legendary, you know, and they changed a lot too. So all my like all my all my uh, you know like materials are all condensed into one thing each now, and I have all these cubes that give me these like worthless purple armors that you can infuse with like more rare material to bring their level up to like where you can I mean, I, there, I, I was so lost when I loaded this because I haven't played it in like a year so I loaded it up and finally I, I was kind of finishing some stuff up and get, you know, getting reacquainted and going through some areas and coming back and finally I'm like, last night I'm like okay I'll do the Rise of Iron stuff so I can do that and I go to Rise of Iron and it's like you can't play this yet because your gear isn't high enough and I'm like what? So <laughs> For the last, like, all this morning and all last night, I was, like, grinding stuff to get Just high enough gear play. so I could play the new content, and I, I did not get there. I so, am, I'm, I have, like, 15 more light to go before I get, can do that's that. That's a lot. Um, and I think if I'd been playing regularly over the course of the last year, everything would be fine, but I haven't. And there's so, a lot of people that haven't. And I think, you know, and the thing is, like, if the, you, you, when you, I, I don't know if it's pre-order or if it's just default for buying it, you, I, have a to, I had a token that I can use to instantly level a character up to 40. Um, and when you do that, apparently you get a bunch of equipment, and that, will, that equipment, if you equip it all, brings you up to 280, which is what you need to be to do the Rides of Iron stuff. I have three level 40 characters of each class already, and they can't use the thing because they're already level 40. So um, I can delete one, a character I've put like a bunch of hours into and create a new one, but I don't want to do that because they're my characters. Um, but then, like, they're also kind of useless, so I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to keep playing, and eventually I will get to the Rise of Iron, I guess. This is so dumb, though. So World of Warcraft Legion comes out. Blizzard, again, because it handles everything perfectly for whatever reason. It just mm. always handles things right. You, had, you could have never played World of Warcraft and immediately started playing Legion and play the game. Right. They give you this preloaded character that you can use. Sure, it's not yours, and you didn't build it exactly how you want it. But they give you the ability that you when you it. buy that expansion, you can play. And Witcher 3 did that, too. Yeah, this is insane, Matt. That, I mean, look. I mean, I, if, if, to be fair, I'm kind of screwing myself by having already had three characters that I don't want to delete any of them. If I, if I wanted to delete a character, I could just level a guy up instantly and play it. Oh, wait. So they will, you, it will give you a character that you... Well, yeah, because you, you get that little, little token. And if you uh, use it on a character gotcha, that gotcha. is not level 40, it just instantly jumps them to level gotcha, 40 gotcha, and gotcha. gives you uh, all the rewards you would have gotten from various whatevers. And so it's all this blue gear. It's not great. But like yeah. if you equip it all, it puts you to 280. Oh, which okay. Is what you need. So if you don't have all your character slots full like I do, you can just do that with a new character if you absolutely don't want to grind your old character. But, I mean, I want to play it with my Warlock. You know, I want to, yeah. that's my character. I want to keep... You know, but there's all these I'm weird things... I'm surprised they like, won't sell you an extra slot for, like, five bucks. I'm shocked you don't, they don't have more than three slots still. I mean, I guess there's no reason if you have one of each. But, like, I don't know. Um... It's we and, and like the the I've, everything I have is outdated. I have this exotic helmet that I love that's got like flaming wings coming off the side, and it's like super weak now. Yeah, I like like a couple. One guy. Well, I'm sure everything you have is. One super guy weak. made fun of me for wearing it. <laughs> like in a, it, I was in a, I was in like the the tower area, and I got yeah. a message from some guy. He's like, "Why are you wearing that old ass helmet?" <laughs> 
You should you wrote back, how the hell do you know this is an old ass helmet? Because these people know everything. Because you can insane. see. You can see it's it's not year three, basically. It's not year two even. How can so, you tell so by I, looking at it though? Because they're unique. It's one of the exotics. So like right, you, but you know how does can... people know every single freaking helmet in that? Because we're nerds, Shane. Like but I don't I know never, it. I don't Even if I had played this whole time, I would not know that that was an old helmet. Like I just wouldn't. Like I don't look oh. at games like that's insane. I don't and look at other that, players that much. Right. I'm just like, and I don't not know. only that, it bothered him so much. He messaged me. That he yeah. went into the dashboard and messaged you. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Like so. And I was like, I mean, and he's like, I was like, I like it. Fuck you. Yeah. And, and, and he's like, <laughs> and he's and he's like, well, you better upgrade the thing. So I guess Why? you can upgrade it to be. More powerful. More powerful. But again, it's just another bar to fill. It's another grind to do. Yeah. And you know what? Like... Are you going to do this, by the way, Matt? Are you going to... I'll play a little bit. You're going to play it so you can play the content with your characters? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long I'll do it. Here's the other thing. I mean, the the HUD is still a pain in the ass on my plasma because it's got so much bright white on it. So if I want to play it for any real length of time, I'm going to have to move it to my PC and use my monitor there, which is a pain in the ass. Especially because now the part, the place where I would normally put the PlayStation, which I did last time I played Destiny for that long, uh, is taken up by my head, my Vive sits there now, so I have to find somewhere else to put the Vive. Um, It's just, it's just a problem. And, uh, I really do enjoy playing. It makes me feel like I used to feel playing like the old Halos. Like Bungie used to make really good Halos, and you've got, you know at its best that game is that. But like the last you know the last two days playing this thing, I'm just like, why did you bury this? What I think is a really fun shooter at its core, moment to moment gameplay core. I think it's really fun to play, and you buried it under like every imaginable terrible MMO design decision. For no reason, like just let me play. I've spent like a hundred dollars on this game over the course of two years. Why do I? Why can I only play like the you know? Why do I only get the good reward for the the daily like the the, the social mission, the public mission thing? Why don't I get that once a day? Like yeah. just let me play it more. Than, like why do you have to gate that stuff so much? When because like I just want to play. I just want to play. My perspective on Destiny is that Bungie went about it entirely wrong. Instead of creating a shooter that has some light MMO elements, which is what most of its fans want. Mm. Look, its fans are shooter fans first, but they're also open to RPG stuff. Instead, like, the game as it's gone on has went away, because I feel like the base game was kind of that way. Mm -hmm. I feel like the MMO stuff was pretty light. Like, I didn't play it as much Until you got to the end game, and it was just, you know, praying to the random number god to give you the damn thing you after a seven hour raid or whatever you know like, yeah like some of that stuff was great and now luckily there are very grindy unfun but there are ways to earn you know high level raid level gear other ways than playing right. a raid because they realize you know i mean not I, everyone I, can get people together no, I think for the, a raid and the time the, commitment is right, like the tro- i mean the trophy for completing a raid i think like 22 percent of players have it like, i'm that's actually surprised nothing. that many people that's pretty high frankly it. yeah but like but i feel like they've gone the and since launch have just gone the entirely wrong direction Towards the MMO more yeah. instead of back towards where their, their think, fan base is. I from. think it's weird that they're look, they seem to be looking so hard, so closely at like early World of Warcraft yeah. for this when you should be looking more at modern Diablo three. Yep, you're absolutely right. I think is where you where your sweet spot is. That's for great. This. That's exactly what I would say as well. And uh, I'm just shocked that they've ended up going this direction. Ubisoft, for its part, this week came out and said, "Hey." We were heading down that path with the division, mm-hmm. and we're stopping. And so that's why their DLC was all delayed, because yeah. 
they started to see that the game was becoming a grind. Mm -hmm. And so they... Becoming. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so they're doing an about-face now, and they're trying Mm -hmm. to pull it back so when people play it, they feel like they're playing a shooter instead of some grindy MMO game. So that 1.4 changelog they put up for for, uh, Division is great. It is great. Yeah, there's lots of stuff in there that they probably should have done a long time ago. like the revision. Right. Yeah, it is kind of a revision. So it, Ubisoft is getting it. It doesn't seem to be that Activision and Bungie... <laughs> Ubisoft gets it eventually. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. Give, give them a year. Yeah, we'll yeah. put it together. So, have you played any of the uh, multiplayer stuff? Uh, the Crucible? No. 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 So I'm wondering I'm, how that's changed, if, if at all. I don't know. I, I, I know... I have a couple friends who've played like the version where you go in with your gear and all the gear is not adjusted. Right. It's just like everyone's just playing. Everyone's it's just cosmetic. And like one of them's like, I killed someone. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's like apparently it's just like it's like gods competing. That's and, kind of the way. Yeah. It, it was kind of that way at launch, honestly. Yeah. Like, I I played a fair amount more of the multiplayer in the Crucible than I thought I would on the on the vanilla game. I really enjoyed it. But see, I thought reason. I would play it a ton. It's Bungie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a Bungie game, and they're not making Halo anymore. So I was like, man, this multiplayer is gonna be bomb. Like, I'm you know, I'm I'm hating the grind of the game. Mm. I hate the end game, but the Crucible is going to save me. And, like, literally, mm-hmm. I think I played it five or six days before. Well, the problem started. is, like, and I played a fair amount of, you know, maybe 20 hours of it, of the multiplayer out of the 100 hours or so I played. Yeah. Um, and I liked it a lot. And, like, I, that's what kind of, like, I, when I was playing it and really enjoying it, I was like, this multiplayer must be terrible to, like, a shooter veteran yeah. because I'm really enjoying this. And I, <laughs> whatever it is that I don't like about shooters that veteran shooter fl- players love must be gone, and that must make it bad for those people. I was, I was, I was expecting someone who likes shooters the way you do to dis- for reasons I can't explain because I, I don't know. I don't know enough. I didn't feel like there was oh, a level. Oh, super unbalanced. I didn't feel like there was a level playing field. Well, That's every what time they do, a, do do any kind of like update or rebalance on it, it would just unbalance something else. So yeah. like, you know, there was a period where everybody's running around with revolvers or hand cannons. And it's bungee. And it very... It's like they should know how to handle this. Like... Right. And it's and you know, and eventually I stopped playing because it got. It wasn't like every time they'd update it or revise it it would get more balanced or better. It would just, okay, now everybody has to figure out what the god weapon is and yeah. switch to that. Yeah. And eventually I think it hit a point where it, it, I think the, the god weapon, I think it was hand cannons or some other weapon that I don't like using and I just stopped playing that the multiplayer it. because I wasn't competitive because I wouldn't, didn't want to use that weapon and I was just getting wrecked. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, my kill-death ratio on that game was higher than any other multiplayer game I'd ever played. I was really good really at that good game. At because... And that'll bring you back. I don't know. I, I don't know why I was good at it. I don't know why. I mean, there, it must have been like, you know... I, I mean, my... It just clicked with your skills. It clicked, but at this... Or clicked with my lack of skills. I mean, that's... I mean, <laughs> really. I mean, it, it could well, have been just like a super casual, friendly thing. whatever it is that you're good at that game catered yeah. to that. Uh, I mean, it helps that you, you know, every once in a while you got like the free nuke. You know, yeah. I, I would... Yeah, it's like, oh, there's that guy. Because you know you'll never get the 25 right. kill streak in Call of Duty. Right. So it's like, so there's that guy that's killed me three times. I'm just gonna hit him with the void bomb. You know, like, so and that was sad. You know, even if that guy killed me three more times, I still hit you with a void bomb. Yeah. And like, I know you saw that. There's nothing you could do about it. And it pissed you and off. You're mad. Yeah. Because when people do that to me, it pisses me off. It so, does, like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a good time playing it, but it's just like. Eventually, it kind of drove, you know, and oh, and eventually, I kind of like earned enough of the marks of whatever to like buy the things I was interested in from those vendors, and then yeah. I had nothing else to do, you know. And I played the the, the Iron Banner stuff when that went up and stuff, and yeah. it was fine. But like, eventually, it was just, you know, it's the same. It's like 
you're playing the same thing over. Even with the new stuff, I'm like, yeah, this is the same area in Venus I've been a thousand times, the same place on the moon I've been a thousand... Even uh, one of the... I, you know, now that I'm catching up on um, uh, some of the other Taken King stuff, like, I replayed a couple of the story missions on that, and I'm like, and I'm like oh, yeah. Um, like, this one, this one mission takes place... A bunch of these missions take place on multiplayer maps where you never played in single-player before, but now it's in a, it's, you know, it's in a story... And I'm like, and I know this because I've run through these corridors a thousand times, and right. I, yeah. and like on one, it's like that doesn't count as new content, people. Like you can't just put me, you can't put me on something that I've played a thousand times in multiplayer, and then make it a single player level and be like, see, it's a new place. Like no, it's not a new place. <laughs> yeah, the, the the final thing I really want to say about this game, and in general, this has happened over time is that I just feel like it was a, the nomenclature and the verbiage they use in the game was a horrible decision. It's, uh, so the last few days, as Rise of Iron came out, our admin has just been flooded with content for this expansion. And, you know, typically, you're looking at our admin at content, it'll say, Mafia 3 weapons trailer, or whatever. Then you get to, like, a piece of content for Destiny, and it might as well be another language. Hmm. Like, I... Can't even understand what the hell they're talking about in the content titles. Like, all <laughs> the words and the verbiage, it's like it's like Nordic or something, or like Scandinavian. Mm. Like, I don't even know. It's like, like you were saying, or the marks. Like, nobody hears that word and knows instantly what that means and what it does. Like, just the way they've named everything in this game, it's not intuitive. Even, the, even knowing what they are, like, there's a point today where I'm like, oh, I need more legendary marks. Yeah, like, what the how hell How do is I that? get legendary? I, I don't remember how to do that now, as I had to look that up. Was like, and then the whole light thing. It's like, and then, why? of course, like, some of it is, like, strike, you know, oh, do strikes to get these. Things. I can't do any of the strikes anymore because I'm not powerful enough to do Rise of Iron. Yeah. Very weird. It Very is weird. really weird how they're handling it. Uh, it is reassuring, though, to hear that you can just jump in and start playing, though. Yeah, if you have a free slot and you don't care about the character you've devoted however many hours to, you can jump in with a new character and just see the stuff. Conceivably, and it I, would I be a better think... option if they let you just boost one of your characters right. up to that level. I mean, it would be nice if I could just get, like, a minimum spec set of armor out of something. To put on, you know, your to put on my character and go play Rise of Iron. Yeah, because, you, look, you play a game for 100 hours... You've built an affinity with yeah. this character just that you've been playing. Well, yeah, and just give me the same, you know, the, the equipment you get for the level four. I watched a video, and the equipment is all, it's all blue. It's not amazing. It's, it's, it's just enough to get you there. Right. Like, just give me that. Yeah. You know? And, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, and I'll, that would let me play the new stuff, and I'd totally be grinding to upgrade my favorite equipment that I used to have up to the level that it could match the new equipment and then wear that instead. Right. I mean, would, I would still be devoting time to the, the treadmill of, of loot grinding, which seems to be 90% of the game at this point. Yeah. But, like, at least I'd be playing something I haven't played before in an area I haven't seen before, which, at this point, is what that game needs desperately more than anything else. And, unfortunately, it's not going to get any more. Yeah. Because it's over. Yeah. And now we wait for Destiny 2 and hope that they learn the right lesson from this and that some way, somehow they've learned the right lesson from in how to build the new one and that it will somehow work better because they don't have to keep the legacy platforms in mind this time. It'll be interesting to see how many people who bought and played Destiny will come back for Destiny 2. I'll, I mean, I'll probably come back because I'm an idiot. But like, <laughs> I, just, I, I really, admire your honesty. I really like playing it. I just wish it was better. It's, it's like that's, the, I mean, I guess that's kind of the new man, No Man's Sky argument, yeah, too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I really enjoy it. I just wish it was good. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's... 
I don't know. I mean, every time I pop a head on one of those, like you know, one of the it's cabal satisfying. guys, it's like, yeah, it's great, man. I, it or is, when like yeah. you come over the hill and there's like there's, you know there's there's a uh, there's Vex fighting Fallen and like. And like, I still have very vivid and, memories, and, and you like you jump in Destiny. and like you shoot in. It's like the old Halo games where like all of a sudden they, they you know the fallen move and change position because they have to fight you now too, and like the Vex still are focusing, and then like someone start to notice you, and like just the dynamic of that battle kind of p- plays out in front of you, and like that was like the real strength of Halo and what made it feel like like you were fighting real things to some degree, how, how the, the the battlefield reacted to you, and like. You know, the new Halo games don't do that, yeah. and it really feels good to see that. You know, it, it, you can feel it spongy. The other problem with Destiny Two is they're not going to have Marty doing the music, right? And the music in this game, you know, you can you can hear it. I'm just like, man, that's good. Stuff. No Marty is going to have be a problem because I mean, I'm sure there people there'll be people they can kind of find to emulate him, but that dude is a genius he when really it comes is, to yeah. making making you feel the way you're supposed to feel when you're in a certain place, and his. Uh, compositions in that game, even though a lot of them are almost subconscious, like they tell you exactly what these places are supposed to be like, and it, you know, the, even the the terrible, weird story scenes almost work sometimes because he's trying to get across what it is through the music. Yeah. And even when you know when the the, the top level dude at the towers is like, I could tell you all the things about this story, but I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, but in the middle of that nonsensical speech, Marty's music is like this really kind of you know this evocative sort of almost never forget from Halo Three style yeah, thing. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, this is like the mourning of the human race, yeah. the, the the decline of the human race. We're mourning the loss of all this like amazing stuff yeah. and civilization we had, and like the dialogue doesn't do any good trying to get that across. But Marty's music does it, it does, and like yeah. without that in Destiny Two, I'm kind of worried what this is going to be. Well, going back to what you were saying about how you like to play the game, I agree with you 100% in De- with Destiny. The shooting, I thought, felt great. I have really vivid memories of this game, playing this game. So I play so many games that like, when I look back on games I played like a year ago or farther back, I just remember like the really big moments or the set-piece parts of those games. But with Destiny... One, there really aren't any set-piece moments in Destiny, the base game anyway. But I remember just very specific combat scenarios. Or I remember, like, a couple specific headshots that I landed mm-hmm. from, like, a long distance and, like, just got it just lined up perfectly and just pop. Their head just goes pop. And I just remember a couple times, like, one where this guy was, like, up on this walkway and I was, like, 200 yards away and, like... I pulled out my gun, and I had just got this new gun, and I shot him in the head, and his head exploded. Like, I remember mm. that from this game. In a lot of games, I don't kind of remember that moment-to-moment, hour-to-hour thing. It's more about, oh, like, the train section and Uncharted right. 2, like, that type of stuff. So, And I've noticed, like, going back to it after, you know, I haven't played this game in a year, and I'm going back and going to different areas, and, like, I know every corner. I know yeah. every room. I know what happened. And it's like, is that partly that is because I played it so much, but it's also because... You know, if you just line up a series of corridors in front of me, I'm not going to remember that because it's all the same. But every section of this game has personality and purpose behind how they design. You know, Bungie is amazing at kind of designing the spaces you fight in. And I feel like this is like the worst. But honestly, like I feel like this game is like the worst example of something Bungie could make. Oh, it is. Like it it is, but it's still (laughs) better than what most other people could do. But. Bungie, if it, I just feel like if it had just made a stinking shooter, I would probably still be playing the multiplayer right now. Probably. Like, I, I don't know if going this route was the right decision for them. I can understand why they wanted to. 
Because look, if I yeah, made the same franchise for sense. well, yeah. yeah, and also if I had made the same franchise for a decade, like I would get sick of it, and I mm-hmm. want to make something new. So I understand why they did it. Um, but it's so Halo. I, mean, I really wonder. I know if, you can aim down the sights, but it's still yeah. you're still making kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I really wonder if the if Destiny Two will sell better than the first Destiny. How many Conceivably, copies? it should sell way better. I mean, this sold really well, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah, like right out of the gate, it sold really well. But I just wonder if a lot of those people who bought it right out of the gate, just because it was know. Bungie's next shooter, if they're going to come back. I don't know. I know it has a dedicated core of people that are still playing if it. If they can put it out in September, with a, if, if next September is as empty as this September, maybe. it <laughs> will do great. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good point. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about the Bioshock Collection, the other thing that you've been playing, Matt. Mm-hmm. So, really, the only thing that really needs to be answered with this is, is it worth playing again? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've played the first one. I've been playing the first one. I'm probably course, not, yeah. not going to play the second one. Because now, when you start it, can you pick any of the three you want right out of the gate? No. Cool, because I'm playing it on PC. And so, the, so the, on PC, it's just if you already own the originals you automatically get Bioshock Remastered and Bioshock 2 Remastered in your library. Okay. And then Bioshock Infinite is not updated at all because it's just, that was already kind of a modern game. Yeah. Um, so Bioshock Remastered and Bioshock 2 Remastered are separate entries on your, like, your Steam library than Bioshock and Bioshock 2. Okay. So you can go back and play the originals if you want. Uh, it does not overwrite them. So you just pick whatever you want from your Steam library. Gotcha. And, um, uh, so I've been playing Bioshock, re- the first one, Remastered. The um, best one. Yeah. Uh, it looks really good. Sounds really good. Um, you know, runs a super crazy, rock solid 60, no matter what resolution you throw it up at. Um, there's some differences here and there. Like, there's people who complain about the differences in the water. Uh, Looks like effects. the PC version is kind of borked, right? No, I haven't. Really? Oh, there's been tons of reports. I saw all the reports, so I was worried, but I have not had a single issue with it. So, far, except oh, for the fact that there's a, there is more. Uh, texture pop in than I think there should be on a nine-year-old game remaster. Yeah, um, mainly there shouldn't like, be any texture no. pop in. It's mainly art. It's mainly <laughs> art on the walls. Much. It's mainly art on the walls. Sometimes when you first come into a room or when you first start the game, you'll come in and like the poster on the wall will be blurry and then it'll pop in like you know HD. Wow. And there's ain't, ain't no that's need for LED that. That's an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so that's the only thing I'm noticing, and that seems to be very specific to art on the walls. I haven't seen it happen with like characters or or anything else so far. Um, there's no uh, there's not, at least on my machine there's no slowdown when you start kicking like guys around with like physics because like that was a that would cause it to chug on the oh, original. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, Jim Sterling was testing that out on his because that's his favorite thing to do in the game is to, yeah. to kick bodies around. Um, so that all works. The the effects all work. Um, I mean, it looks great. I'm probably going to finish it again. That's probably like the fourth or fifth time I've played the game. I will probably never load up Bioshock 2 because I don't care. Um, and I might, I might dabble with Bioshock Infinite. I don't, I've never played that on PC. So here's one thing I will say. So minor spoilers here. If you haven't played Bioshock Infinite at this point, maybe I should have to apologize for spoilers because it's been out so damn long. Like You should have played it by now. But one thing I noticed, even just in one of the trailers for the Bioshock 3 remaster, is, you know, the beginning where you get in the pod and, mm-hmm. like, you get shot up into the air. And I don't want to spoil too much, but there's, like, a portal that you're looking out. And the portal, like, it's supposed to be round, but you can still see in the remasters that it's, like, polygonal. Mm-hmm. Like, they could not make, like, the perfect circle for the portal. So that makes me wonder just how much work they actually did on these. I don't Do you know. feel like there was a decent amount of work I, put into I them? think there's definitely a decent amount of work put into the yeah. first one. 
Um, and from what the videos I've seen of the second one, it looks about on par. I think Bioshock Infinite on consoles is basically a port of the PC version. Yeah, uh, I, and it might be a little quicker and dirtier than it should have been. I don't know. I haven't I haven't tried it. Um, but as far as I know, they are not. They did not really touch that game on PC, and they just put the PC version on the consoles. No, for the remaster. For the remasters. Oh, okay, gotcha. So it is, you know, better looking and runs better than the original console versions. But as far as I know, uh, it's basically what the PC got originally is what you're playing on the PS4 and the Xbox One now. Because they did not update the PC version of Infinite at all. Okay. It's just the same game I've always had in there. Gotcha. So literally the same file. Like, there's not even, yeah, like, a new no, version. It, it, there was no update. There was no nothing. That's interesting. So, I don't know, you know, I don't know spe- if there's any specific So, they're specific calling that remastered still, though. On the consoles, yeah. But not on PC. Not on PC. There's, well, there is there's no, no name for there it There is no PC. Bioshock Infinite remastered on PC. Interesting. It's just the original PC version. And basically, you're right. They probably just got the PC version running on mm-hmm. Xbox One and PlayStation Bioshock 4. 1 and 2 are very clearly different. Yeah, I mean, you would never confuse the vanilla PC version of Bioshock with the remastered one. They look very, you know, just in terms of texture quality, it's night and day. Yeah, um, you hope. But, like, yeah, it, it, like, it's not the same thing on Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite, I guess they thought was recent enough that it didn't need to be super overhauled for the PC. Well, my remembrance of the first Bioshock was definitely rose-tinted. Like, I had forgotten... On a technical level, mm-hmm. where it was, because I went I had back... forgotten that, like, you can't, like, hit things with the wrench and zap them with the... the I forgot that you had to have one hand or the other, because Bioshock 2 lets you have both right. at once. yeah. So, like, maybe, maybe I've sold Bioshock 2 short in that regard. <laughs> the shooting might be a little better in that game. Well, back then, I think Bioshock 2, on so many other levels, was so inferior to the first one, at least mm-hmm. in my opinion, that... You might overlook advancements yeah. like that, like being able to use both hands, because you're so concerned about all the other stuff that it didn't right. get quite as right. Bioshock 2 is still a good game. It's good. You. It's just it's just not up to the level. Fo- you're of the you're first following game. up a really tough act. I mean, I think the first Bioshock ultimately will go down as being probably one of the best 3D video games yeah. ever. Like, I put it. I put it in my top ten of all time. It's certainly mm-hmm. one of the most affecting games I've played. Like one that mm-hmm. just stuck with me. Like long after I played it, and even at night when I try to go to sleep, I'd be thinking about it. Like. It makes you think about things in a video game that you probably had never thought about in a video game before. You have some decisions to make that actually are kind of tough to make. I've also like noticed playing this that I guess I never played it with like a decent like field of, uh, FOV before, but I've never really seen his arms as much as yeah. you do in the new one. And like that is an ugly ass sweater yeah. he's wearing. <laughs> like I'm trying to picture the guy running around, like the badass running around, zapping people, shooting fire out of his hands, and like killing people with machine guns and with like a giant sweater. Wrenches. And he's wear, he's wearing like this like grandma sweater thing yeah. going. I'm like, like wow. I mean, I know I've seen fan art of it and stuff, but it just never hit me until playing the remaster. I was like, that isn't that change your shirt, man. Like that's yeah. weird. So would you recommend somebody who's already played Bioshock back when it came out on last gen buying this compilation? Depends how much you love Bioshock One. Um, I, if you just want to play Bioshock One again, like I would have. Yeah. Uh, I would. If you're gonna get it on a console, I would wait. If you have it on PC, you you've already got it. Mean for it to be discounted. Yeah. If you have it on PC, you've already got it. What's it retailing for? Sixty. Sixty bucks. Sixty for yeah, three. I mean, for three, three great games. games I mean, three, yeah. three. You know, good to great games. Yeah. For sure. um, with some slight disappointment in the story wrap up sections and places but yeah. like you know um 
I would say if you've never played the Bioshock games, buy it now. Like, yeah. right, like go to Amazon, or go to whatever right now and buy it as we're speaking. Right. If you've already played it, if Bioshock One is like your favorite game of all time, yeah, you should play this. But maybe you want to wait until it's forty or something. You know? Yeah. Um, Sixty bucks is a lot if you're if you're not a big fan of all three games, especially since Infinite is not as big a jump as the other two. I would say for sure. Um, but if you've never played the original Bioshock, oh, get off your ass! <laughs> yeah. like, what? Stop watching this stream right now and go play it. Seriously, I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. Like, would you kindly buy this right now? Yeah, I don't know if like what has turned you off to not playing it until now, but whoever told you not to play it, you need to stop listening to that person <laughs> and completely them, devalue their opinion immediately and go buy Bioshock and give them the finger because it is. An amazing experience. Even now, it is still an amazing experience. Yeah. Like what I was saying earlier is that like I went back like a month ago or whatever, whenever they, mm. the, they announced these remasters and booted it up and just was like, oh, I just want to see like where mm. this game is. And I was kind of shocked at its fidelity, its yeah, lack it of fidelity. Yeah, like we remember it looking. No, not at all. But I was still immediately yeah. just sucked into the game and wanted to keep playing. Yeah, I've done that with, there's two like last-gen games that do that, uh, series that do that with me. And one, if I started up just to see, just to see, you know, we'd, uh, and then like four hours later, you're like, oh, I'm still what playing. Happened? It's like yeah. four in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I, that'll happen with Bioshock and with uh, the Batman Arkham games. Yeah. Arkham Asylum or Arkham City. I'll, especially Arkham Asylum, like, all, suddenly the sun's rising. And I'm like, well, how did I play this again? Yeah. Did you see uh, today, this is a total non-sequitur, but did you see the announcement today that Rocksteady is done with Batman? Mm-hmm. Sure. You did see it? No, I didn't see it. But I don't oh, know you don't believe it? it. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're. They've had enough Batman. For yeah, they they announced they announced today in an interview that uh, when they are done with Batman Arkham VR, they are done with the Batman license, mm. and they are going to go on to create. It looks like a new IP of their own. Yeah, which when, I'm and, really excited about. And when that does not sell up to spec, they will make another <laughs> Batman game. So <laughs> either that or to that. Either that or Warner Brothers is like, bro, you're making another Batman game. Yeah, I don't. Do, are they owned by Warner Brothers? I think I they. Yeah, they are owned by Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, they're not independent. So look. Uh, just somebody make the bat a Batman game that uses the Nemesis system from Shadow of, of, of Mordor or Over Mordor, whatever. Yeah. Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, Shadows of Mordor. Yeah, um, just do that. Just that's all we need. I mean, this is the fear, right? Is that we won't get another good Batman game ever again? Well, I think they're gonna. They're, I think they're gonna put the people who made. Orange... <laughs> Not that their last one set the world on fire by no, a lot of people's accounts. Um, I enjoyed it, but a lot of people didn't. Oh, um, <laughs> you're one of them. God, I hate that game. Um, Poochie the Bat Tank. <laughs> what, like so? Like I think they're probably gonna put the people who made Origins on, um, which I also don't like, but I like it better than Arkham Knight. Um, That's what I'm saying. I never thought that I would say that team is going to start making the new. Well, if someone games. can point out to them that, like, hey, intentionally breaking the combat isn't good. Yeah. Like maybe uh, they could, because I I did think Origins. I do think Origins has the best story of the four of them. Um, mm. The others don't really have much. To grab onto in terms of story and like the kind of the origin of the Joker Batman confrontation and like some of the stuff with Black Mask is like an interesting or like early Batman story. Yeah. And Batman is more of a dick in that one, which I like. I like dickish Batman. Yeah. I like the <laughs> and and they play with it a little bit. And I like it was my favorite line in that in that game is actually when you like early. I think when the first time you go across one of the bridges because it's Christmas. It's almost Christmas yeah. and and uh, Alfred's trying basically trying to talk Batman into coming home because he's like. He's like, he's like, you can't go running around on rooftops on Christmas Eve. Like, what, you know, what, you know, how are, how, how are, you know, kids are gonna gonna think it's, you know, it's the patter of 
of, of Santa's of, of little Santa's, <laughs> uh, Santa, right, little Santa's reindeer. Is, uh, and Batman's like, Alfred, yes, yes, sir. Uh, I don't patter. <laughs> just like it's that was like, a pretty good imitation. It's there, like Matt. that. It's just that. Like I love the effusive Batman. I just yeah. love the Batman that takes himself way too seriously to the yeah. point that it's funny. Yeah. And like uh, that's one of my favorite. You know, and I, I so I enjoyed the portrayal of Batman in that. It was kind of like this. And by the end of that game, he kind of t- re- realizes that he needs to sort of lighten up a little bit as well. So I, I, I dig, I dig it in terms of story, but everything else is terrible. <laughs> I, I live in fear of a Batman game not made by Rocksteady. I, I would have good. agreed with that until I was forced to play uh, Tank Wars, the Batman edition, uh, with Markham Knight because I got, oh, what are you doing? And like, re- I didn't think it was that bad. Replacing the Riddler stuff with the stupid racetracks. I mean, someone explain to me how the Riddler built that. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, I know like we're dealing with crazy people already in terms yeah. of like the like this. Oh, I could go on, but. <laughs> We gotta move on. It's time to get to the next topic. So definitely better remasters than the Batman. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I think for sure. Um, so this week, like I said, I'm wa- watching podcasts as I do every week, and a lot of times it's on while I'm working. That's kind of background noise, and I, every show was opening like with slow week, not a lot going on this week, and so I, I stopped and I thought to myself, I'm like. It's like the end of September, almost October. Why do podcasts have nothing to talk about right now? That's insane. There should be, you should be cutting stuff for your podcast right now, mm-hmm. not like scrounging trying to get a show together. And I started thinking about it, and the bottom line is that there are just far less games coming out. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, we lost a lot of them to February already. Right. So. The lot were pushed, and we're going to show B-roll of a lot of the games during this segment of games that were pushed. It was supposed to come out this year, and instead are coming out next year, which makes this period, like, dark and dreary. But what I found is that, like, if you go back and look at last holiday season, the same thing happened. Like, all these games were pushed out of Q4, mm-hmm. which made Q1 a little better, but you still have this barren wasteland. Like, literally, at this point, it's like a six-month portion of the middle of the year where... There's like one game a month that's like worth recommending for somebody to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I started wondering, I'm like, I know just from working in the industry that there are less games coming out. I mean, you know it. It's pretty obvious. Just if you go and look at the output from last generation from a publisher like EA or Activision compared to what they're putting out now, it's a huge drop off. So I went and tried to do some actual research sifters. I actually like tried to find data on this and it's really really hard to find data on release the rates of games being released in a given territory and so sam if you could pull up what i did actually manage to find so this is the best thing i could find which was up to 2012 but you can see there and look there's natural attrition as a generation peaks in the center and it starts to go down but there, you cannot attribute that decline, that steep of a decline. Mm. Look at that wee shovelware peak right oh, there. Oh, I know. Look at that. But just look at all of it. It's That trend follows oh, for yeah. every platform. I mean, and also, that like 2008, 2009 right there is right, right where um, companies started going out of business after one bomb. Basically. Right. Yeah, and, and what happened there is because of that, all the other publishers suddenly become risk-averse. So you can see the peak of the gaming industry really was 2008. And the odd part about that is that was the peak of, like, game trailers. Mm. Like, 2008, 2009 was when game trailers was booming. 
And then from right then is when the traffic and stuff started to drop off. And you can see it's following that almost that exact same curve with the amount of yep. games being released. That's also the that's also the uh, the most watched X-Play. Well, even though I think it wasn't as the best X-Play ever was. I think yeah. the best best era for X-Play was 2005 to 2000 early 2007. That is when the most people watched us was 2008 yeah. 2009. And so that's and so it doesn't take a genius to correlate Interesting games for shows like X-Play, websites like Game Trailers mm -hmm. or IGN or whatever, all that coinciding with the amount of games available. Like, it's almost an exact curve. Like, I can show you, like, Game Trailers traffic curve, and it looks almost identical to that. Like, from the years it went up, it peaked in 2008, 2009, and then it started on that gradual decline. It almost perfectly mirrors the amount of games being released. And so... You know, I've talked on the show over the last year or so about how I feel like less less games are coming out and it's and it's less interest. So, if you don't have that tentpole game coming out every month that people can rally around, it hurts. It hurts in every way. And so, it, the MPD, the last couple of times we've talked about it, we've looked at the year-over-year -year sales, it has declined drastically. Every month except for this last month, it went up 1%, which I was like... Hallelujah. It stopped like the bleeding and it actually huh. held steady for a month. Thanks to No Man's Sky, I might add. But I think what we're seeing here is that with less and less games, there's less and less for the casual person to get excited about. And I feel like it's really starting to hurt the industry on the whole. I, <coughs> and again, look, this is anecdotal. I try to pull as much data as I could. But look, we've worked in the industry for 20 years. I don't even know if what we think at this point is really anecdotal. Like, I think it might actually be pretty objective at this point. Like, surveys certainly probably hold a little more weight. But mm -hmm. when you've done something this long and you've watched an industry this long, I think it kind of transcends anecdotal evidence a little bit at least. And it, so, might, it might at least stray into the territory of analysis. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a better way to put it. But I seriously think that the risk-averse strategies that publishers are employing now, which is we're only putting out games that are big hits, we're only mm. putting out one or two games per quarter, and I think that ultimately, and we're putting out remasters for games right. that already sold well, and we know by, again, by data, that if we put out a remaster of a game that sold really well 10 years ago, it's going to sell really well again, I think it is ultimately hurting the industry. I think there's not enough excitement in the industry anymore. And, you know, I, you know, EA, it's worked for EA financially because it used to put out like 100 games a year. And now it's putting out like 25 or 30 games a year if you're not counting mobile or whatever. And so, Matt, what, what do you think it's going to take for these publishers to get a little brave and start working with new IP again? Um... A miracle? Yeah. Is that? I mean, <laughs> I don't see it happening, frankly. I mean, and every time you know, EA seems to have uh, you know some some guts when it comes to testing stuff like that, or you know, at least making a sequel of something that didn't work, like Mirror's Edge. Um, but they continually take a bath on that stuff. I mean, think you know? about that's a perfect example. Mirror's Edge Catalyst, a sequel that they make for a game that didn't sell well in the first place. Game comes. Look, part of it is the game came out. It wasn't great. Mm -hmm. It was good, but not great. But do you think they would have been better served instead of making that sequel to Mirror's Edge, 
to have that studio come up with a new IP and create a new game, like it couldn't sell much worse than Mirror's right, Edge couldn't, Catalyst. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, probably would have. You know, a, a mediocre new IP would probably have sold about the same. Yeah, and would have you know garnered probably you know maybe more uh, positive reaction than like oh hey here's a new thing that wasn't wasn't terrible you know as yeah. opposed to like oh that was not as good as we hoped it would be you know. There's no, there's not a lot of prejudgment when it comes to the new IP. This is also why I think that's what Ubisoft, Yves right. Guillermo said this week, is that that's why they're excited about NX is because it's this new platform that provides new opportunities to make games, and when a new platform comes out, people are more open to new ideas. Mm-hmm. And so Ubisoft's strategy is when that new platform comes out, put all your new ideas in right out of the gate. People will buy them and try them because this is new hardware. Right. It's supposed to do different stuff. After that, they're much less willing to try new things. And you'll have a, an eternal franchise for the ages, like Zombie U. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly, yeah, or Red Steel. Um, or <laughs> yeah. So, it doesn't always work. But it's like, it's like, that's also kind of why I feel like it's a shame like that uh, Bethesda's calling that game Prey. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be Prey. It really doesn't. Yeah. It could be something else. And it's not like Prey has all this brand equity. No, not like, at all. Nobody knows what the hell Prey is. Like, the last one... Probably didn't even break even with the sales. Basically. Nobody remembers that. That game was also in development. And, and also, like, like among like core like you know fans of gaming, like I think we think about Prey two more often than Prey. Yeah. You know, like, like Prey was fine, but it wasn't like any kind of you know groundbreaking experience. Whereas like uh, Prey two is sort of that thing that never happened that everybody sort of thinks of. Oh, it could have been great. It could have been amazing. Heard this thing. Oh, there's some drama. Oh. The, the guys, the guys who made Prey 2 say that Bethesda was a bunch of jerks. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. I just feel like, you know, you're not going to help that game by calling. I mean, maybe they're just doing it to keep the to keep the copyright or something. But, like, I just don't see the advantage in calling it Prey. Yeah. Like, why not just call it something else? I mean, right now, the only major new IP I can think of is Death Stranding. Yeah, you're right. That's well, Horizon Zero Dawn. Whatever that right, Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. But not many. I mean, really, you get those two games, and it's like... Mm-hmm. So, Hell, you know, as much as as much as people like to talk about the hype and the da 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 da, did No Man's Sky sell in part because it wasn't a sequel? Nick, people wanted did. to try something else, something new, and they they're tired of the same old thing. So, first of all, you know, looking back at when I worked at GT, like this time of the year, we never would have struggled to fill up a show of Invisible Walls. No. Like never. Like the biggest problem was like. How do we talk about everything within the hour? Well, this because is, we had a very strict like hour-long runtime. How about this? Like, there's this is the, probably the first September since I started working in the industry. I felt okay going back to San Francisco for a week. Yeah, like yeah. I never would have I been mean, able think to about do that, that any other time, any other year. Like, we would have already been knee deep, hip deep in the the holiday releases. And then you start looking forward. So look, this is Q4. Fall. I think summer officially ends in like a week or something Today. like that. Today. So today's the last day of summer. Or yesterday, 21st. What's today? 22nd, I think. Today. Yeah, yesterday was the, la- the first day of autumn. Yeah. So so after I processed all that, the fact that we're at the end of September, early October, and there are no games coming out and not a lot to talk about on shows like this, then I started looking ahead to October, mm-hmm. November, December. And that's where all these games that have been delayed are going to take a huge toll. South Park. You know, that's it was it was coming in December, mm-hmm. but that's a huge loss. I mean, 
that's one game that a lot of people were excited about, a lot of people were counting on that we're not going to talk about now, that's not going to be out on retail, there's not going to be any controversy over the crap in it that generates a lot of interesting games. Like, we had a horrible Q4 last year. Remember the PlayStation 4's Q4 last year? Yeah. You do? Sort of. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a thing that no one noticed. It was a... It was a gaping black void that even Sony admitted we had nothing to do like you know and it may there was be nothing there and it may be even worse this year cuz they what did they what did they lose that was supposed to come out that that last year, year? last year and it slipped to this year what was oh. there was something they had that was like that was like oh we this didn't make it this isn't going to make it so oh uncharted uncharted that's yeah. right yeah uncharted was supposed to be out last holiday yeah and it, and it was pushed um yeah and this year it's horizon zero dawn Horizon Zero Dawn was supposed to be their big Q4 game. And I mean, they'll do fine with the multi-platform stuff, but like, there is no flagship Sony title. And look, it's not just about Sony's bottom line. It's about the greater health of the industry. It's about all these awesome games coming out at once, because let's be honest, the data does back this up. The vast majority of all games sold during the year sell in the next three months. That's It's the one time that everyone's relatives are clued into, like, what are the big games in this holiday season? It's when all the commercials are running. Video game, you can't avoid video games generally in Q4. But over the last couple years, like, it's really gotten to the point where like, Q4 is like a non-event. Mm-hmm. And it's when people are supposed to be spending all their money on video games. And there's like, and that's why Call of Duty keeps cleaning up every damn right. year. It was like, when are people going to get sick of Call of Duty? Well, the, the problem is there's no competition there's for Call of Duty. So it, like, right now, people are put, making their Christmas list, and they're like, well, crap. Christmas in February. Yeah. I mean, Gran Turismo Sport, that's another one that was supposed to come out Q4. God knows when that's coming out now. Yeah, who, I, yeah there's, there's, what a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I know you don't care, but <laughs> yeah, look, there's still a lot of people that love Gran Turismo and like driving sims. Like, you watch Forza you Horizon. You, yeah, well, if you don't have an Xbox or a PC, Gran Turismo's your, your boy. And you like racing games. It's not. Like, or you're still playing Drive Club. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's not like in Drive Club VR, does it fill that void? Well, then you have to spend $300 for VR. Like, yeah. And 40 bucks for that. Like, yeah, I mean, think about it. There's no driving game to buy for the PlayStation 4 no. in Q4 of 2016. Like, I feel like all this risk averse. All, and look. I don't want people to release games, or publishers to release games before they're done. I'm not insinuating that, like, put, just put the damn thing out and patch it afterwards. I actually hate that whole strategy. It drives me crazy. But I don't know if it's just poor planning. How is it that Sony has well, put out case, so few games? Well, in this case, I think it's poor planning. I mean, look, Sony at least has, has proven they're not averse to, to striking out on their own with the, with the drive. I mean, Drive Club exists. Yeah. You know, they, they decided to do, like, okay, we'll, we'll get a second racing. Which was also per- a disaster, by the way. Yeah, terrible, terrible launch. Took for absolute, what, a year to get the PlayStation yeah. Plus version up yep. and running? Um, but at least they're saying, like, hey, we'll do another racing game so that when our flagship racing game fails to come out for three years at, at a time... Uh, we'll, we'll have you know, you'll have something there. else to play, and Drive Club has shaped up, I think, into a respectable game. It is a game respectable now. game for sure, yeah. Um, and uh, and now, I mean, a lot of this, I think, is partly um, you know bad planning or or just you know unforeseen consequences or or uh, situations. But I think Gran Turismo is just like. Don't ever trust you would never that company that. to like to make. Well, I remember anything. when they announced it and they got the release date. Both of us were like, "Yeah, right." There's yeah. no way in hell you're gonna hit that release no. date. Why would Sony think that it was gonna hit the release date? I don't know. So you have the the space leader, the industry leader, the PlayStation Four, 
with two god-awful Christmas seasons, holiday seasons, Mm -hmm. to be PC, in a row. That's just bad. That's bad business. It's bad for everybody. Well, you're coasting on the multi-platform situation. Yeah. I mean, they're way ahead, so they can do that. But one of these days, Microsoft's going to figure out something that gives them some kind of you know, advantage there, and, and you might but, start to lose your ground. I know Pac doesn't think that you know, what's happened with Xbox One over the last couple months means anything. You know, in Pactor mm-hmm. Factor, he basically said it's just because of the hardware refresh. I honestly think that's a big part of it. But I think there's a little bit of some momentum switching Microsoft's way here. They actually have some games for Q4. Somewhat. I mean, look... They have Forza Horizon 3, they have Gears of War 4, they put out ReCore, which ended up being disappointing, but people were still excited about it before it came out. I preloaded Forza Forza Horizon 3 on both my PC and my Xbox One, because I'm not sure which one I'll play more, but you can do that. And also, I want to try this Xbox Anywhere thing, see how well that works, you know. Oh man, Forza on your rig is going to look so good. How much much, screen time do we have to watch the Xbox Anywhere thing uh, on E3, so I'm going to test it, see how it works. But um, you know, the, one of the, the you know, also, I turned that system on three times in the last three days because it kept auto turning off because it was while it wasn't done installing because that the install is like fifty gigs. Yeah. Um, what the hell is with all the updates on the Xbox One? I turned it on on Tuesday on Monday night, and it had a three point nine gig update, and I did that, and then I turned it on uh, Tuesday night, and it had a three point two gig update. Are you in the preview program for the? For, uh, I don't think so. You're not. And then I turned it on last night to finish the install, and it had a 479 megabyte update. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you updating? Are you updating the updates now? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> They're patching the so patches. I don't know what that, but and and like the thing when you go to like the the game install queue thing, it kind of it lists like recently installed. You know what my recently installs are on the Xbox One? Forza Horizon 3, Red Dead Redemption, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. The last before Red Dead Redemption, the last game I installed and played on the Xbox One was Rise of the Tomb Raider last year. Well, everybody knows that I had mine unplugged for the right. last like five months. Um, so. I'm like, that's bad. That's I'm just, not a lot to. I mean, granted, that's because I play most of the stuff that could pl- be played on Xbox One on PC. But it's like you're not giving me a reason to turn that system on. The only reason I installed Forza Horizon Three on it is because I want to test the Xbox Anywhere thing. Once yeah. I figure that out how well that works, I'm going to play it on the PC. As you should. Yeah. That thing's so, gonna be a stunner. Yeah. But I, I'm still just in, in shock. It no matter how many times they update it, like you hit the home button on the Xbox One controller, and it's like a four second pause before yeah. it loads up the dashboard. I do appreciate that the the PlayStation Four update uh, when you hold that thing to bring up like you know the shutdown. I think it's oh, that it's thing's light. out. It's yeah. boom. There we go. Yeah. I, I love that. But anyway, we digress. We right. start talking about firmware updates. But I think Xbox actually does have a little bit of momentum going right now. I think it was helped along big time well, by the model. Got gears but I think people are now kind of looking at the library for... And now apparently it's 200 bucks to yeah, jump in. You know. Why po- not? Go buy one with pocket lint right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's not the market leader. Like it, There are half as many Xbox Ones out there as there are PlayStation 4s. And so... Microsoft having a good Q4, that's great for Microsoft, and it's great for people who maybe just bought the console with the Slim, but does that really help the health of the industry overall? Not all that much. Mm. Like, right now with the way the market is, we need Sony to shine, and, like, all its games are getting delayed. Like, 
And then we have other stuff, this multi-platform stuff that's going to take some some steam out of the Q4. Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, a lot well, of people... No, that's not coming for a long time. But... Yeah, but a lot of people counted on that game coming out this year. I know I did when the year started, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but didn't I say we when you picked that, that, that I didn't think it was coming? No, I think by the time... I think you said that after... Wasn't it like the, two, the day after we did our draft it was announced that it was delayed? It was close to I that. think it was like literally like the day after. I like, swear when, when we did our picks, like when you said, Matt, I'm like, you think that's coming this year? I think you might have, yeah. And like, um, I mean, I, I really was borderline. Didn't. Dude, I would, have, I would have picked it if I thought it was. Yeah, it was borderline. Same I, with Persona 5. Like, I couldn't believe that was your first pick because I didn't think it was coming this year. It did come out this year, just in Japan. In Japan. But, I mean, it came out in early, not that late in the year in Japan. I mean, there's still three months. Like, typically Persona doesn't wait a year to come out in the U.S. No, but it usually waits five to six months. takes a while to translate. Then, Well, Persona was also delayed in Japan. It was yeah. really supposed to come out earlier. So, anyway. But then you start looking at, like, you know, these games for me, or for kids. Like, there aren't a lot of games for kids anymore. You look at a game like Ukulele. Yeah, well, that's which, a Kickstarter, though. If you're crazy if you think that's coming out on time. I, is that true? Yes. I mean, I don't look at Kickstarters I've, that way. I've backed a lot of Kickstarter games, and I'll tell you this. This is my rule. You look look at the estimated delivery date on the Kickstarter campaign at a year. That is the earliest you will get that game. They will all. They are always a year late. I guess part of it is, like, I've only ever and actually, contributed to Mighty one. Mighty Number no. 9, less than a year. As far as I'm concerned, Mighty Number no. 9 was ahead of schedule. <laughs> I Their mean, mistake was announcing actual dates. Yeah. I mean, I've only ever contributed to one Kickstarter, so I guess I never even noticed, like, what the original oh, yeah. dates are. Oh, the original dates are always at least a year. I mean, you got stuff like Grim Dawn, where I just got the, the physical copy of that. That game, that game has been in early access for three years. I mean, it's, it takes forever for this stuff to happen. And Ukulele, I'm sure those guys, you know, those guys have experience. I'm sure they'll... They'll get it done in a reasonable amount of time, but it's going to be a lot longer than what the Kickstarter says it's going to be. Yeah, and then I mean, look, even Microsoft is guilty of this with Scalebound. I mean, yeah. that game was supposed to come out this year. Well, that that judging by the D three demo, that game needs help. Yeah, <laughs> and it needs it now. So no, I, I agree. Like it's looking really rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, is there's a lot of people who are waiting for the either bought an Xbox One to play this game. Or are waiting for it to come mm. out to buy an Xbox One again, yeah. which is money going into the industry. Like, never, never, yeah, never buy the system until you got a release date. Yeah. In, in, in well, I think there was a, there did have a release date for this year. They had like a quarter release date. I thought I don't think they had a day. Yeah, it was like Q1 yeah. of this year. But that's a never until you get an actual date. Never, and even then, I mean, Final Fantasy 15 players uh, fans are know this. You know, even if you do get a date, doesn't always mean anything. Or Last Guardian fans. But see, this is what goes back to the core of what I'm trying to say with this topic, is that if you have more games, when games like this get delayed, it's not as devastating. Mm. Because right now what's happening is, is you have way more people buying the same game. Like, I I have not done the research on this, and I probably should have, but I am guessing that, like, the average sales per game has gone up dramatically in the last five years because there aren't as many games to spread the money out and the sales out so instead you have people banking on these tentpole games now instead of having like games coming out continually every month of the year not all of them are are, you know 10 out of 10s -hmm. but there used to be lots of sevens and eights in there that we're not getting anymore and people would buy them like now instead you're getting people going all in on a fewer amount of games and i just think that it is financially a road to ruin because inevitably games disappoint yeah well people have been saying the same thing about uh movies too i mean that's how i mean movies have worked somewhat like that for a very long time summer tentpole pictures make their money and that's what they use to make 
the uh, you know the the smaller indie pictures. But we've seen over the last you know probably the last five to seven years, it's the summer is not where the big tentpole pictures stay anymore. Like you've yeah. got you've got the comic book movies all across the schedule, and there's people, including Steven Spielberg, who have been saying like, look, all it's going to take is one of these movies to bomb. Yeah, one of these big. Tentpole, you know, one of these big Marvel movies, one of these big DC movies. Because yeah, Batman vs Superman did not make as much money as Warner Brothers hoped it would, or as much as it should have. That should have been a two billion dollar movie, uh, considering who you know the characters were in it. But it didn't lose money. It right. made money. It did yeah. fine. Uh, but Maybe like one day, that. year over year, are movies up or down? Uh, they're up. They're up. They're up. But they're because of the concentration of tremendous amounts of money in Egypt. And the thing is, as these become how you know how studios make their money more and more. You know you're seeing less and less of these smaller, you know, genre, other non. I feel like pictures. it's actually riskier. Ultimately, it is risk. That's what Spielberg's saying. It's like all it's going to take is one of these big pictures to collapse. And you're already seeing this. There's a there's a there's a movie coming out in January called Monster Truck, or Monster Trucks. One of the other. <laughs> oh really? It's about you've never heard of this movie. It was supposed to come out on May 29th, 2015. It's been delayed three times. Um, it uh, it's about Aliens, these teenagers find these aliens who can possess cars, and the aliens prefer to take control of monster trucks. And basically, it's like Transformers, except the Transformers are tentacle beasts. That and is they, the worst and they idea can't turn for into a robots. movie I've ever heard. Now, that movie, that movie you've ne- never A, you've never heard of that movie, even though two trailers have come out. Two, it comes out in January. In January, it's and today done. Paramount already announced to investors they expect to lose 115 million dollars on it. They must have spent 115 million dollars. Oh, they spent a lot on it. And but this is what you can see. This is you know they wanted it to be a tentpole. They wanted it to be a big deal. They're releasing it in a weird period. It's been delayed multiple times because they knew it wasn't good. And now you're seeing them over two quarters, almost two quarters out, getting ahead of it and telling investors. We're going to lose a ton of fucking money in January, <laughs> just so you know, so you don't panic. And, and sell our stock. And all this doesn't collapse out <laughs> under it, because that could end the company. Yeah, it could. And, like, so, and there's not that level of transparency with video game publishers Yeah, yet. you're right. Yeah. So, I oh, yeah. think... No video game publisher yeah. will ever come out and say, our game oh, is going to By take. the way, yeah, by the way, <laughs> buckle up. Because this game's gonna suck. Yeah, you know, like no, it's not, no, no one's. I don't think that will ever happen. EA's not gonna come out. It's like at Mass Effect Andromeda. We're thinking two hundred million in the tank. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. We're, <laughs> just get ready for it. Yeah, you know. please don't, don't sell our stock. Don't, don't buy the Lambo just yet. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is like I think games because of that lack of transparency and that lack of kind of looking ahead for in terms of being honest with your investors and what what have you, uh, and the general public because like you know. You hear about these things in the movie industry because people are on those calls, like, then yeah. tell it to the press. Yeah. I think the lack of transparency in that regard makes video games more dangerous in what the regards of what you're talking about than yeah. movies. Because this shit could happen and no one sees it coming. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pactor might see it coming. But, yeah. Uh, like he kind of tra- talked about this topic with movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone yeah. asked him, like, about it and he related it to film about how there are way less films coming out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the films are doing basically the same as if they had done all these other ones. But you're putting you, more eggs in the, in the. You know, you're making fewer films, but you're making almost the same amount of money by making these huge films. And so, if one of those huge films doesn't perform, 
you've lost a ton of money. Whereas if you were in the old model, because like right now, I think about 170 something movies come out every year in in America. When we were kids, it was more like 340. Yeah, it's like almost double. Yeah. So like. Uh, so now, and so, like, if some of those movies weren't successful, you lost a little bit of money here and there. But like, but it was it spread out across a whole bunch of those other movies. Other movies that didn't fail, like, had a chance to make up for it later. Now, like, if you know, if Doctor Strange comes out in November and tanks, which it probably won't, because Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> He's everybody loves the the Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> everybody loves the Cumberbatch. You mean Littlefinger. But um, uh, it's, let's say Doctor Strange theoretically did that. Yeah. Like that's a huge gut punch to oh, yeah. to you know Marvel Studios and Disney uh, above them, or if Rogue One doesn't do well, if Rogue you know yeah. and Mar- I mean look at Ubisoft yeah. with the last Assassin's Creed, if it's, with it's Watch like, Dogs two tanks, yeah, that could be a very serious especially problem. with Ubisoft right now in the with no Assassin's position, Creed to buoy it. Not only that, he also they also announced this week that they don't even know if Assassin's Creed's coming out next year. Yeah. And so with that, with the whole looming Vivendi thing hanging over Ubisoft's head. Mm-hmm. It puts them, that does not put them in a position of strength. Yeah, they're in a precarious position where they would not be if they were putting out more games mm-hmm. than they are. So, like, it's like on one hand, like, creatively and focus wise, you know, letting Assassin's Creed cool off and get reinvented is exactly what they need to do, but it could not have come at a worse time. Yeah. So, just a cautionary tale. It was just one of those things where I was watching podcasts and I was just like, wait a minute, why is there nothing to talk about right now? That's insane. Like, that never happens. And uh, it's by design. This is something the publishers have done intentionally. And honestly, like, most of them have yet to get burned by it. But uh-huh. this is the second holiday in a row that's looking really slim. Like, I, again, some of the podcasts this week, they're, because they couldn't find topics, were like, what are the Q4 games we're most well, looking forward to? Well, let's to? not forget the Q4 game that we really wanted to be playing this Q4 that we're not playing this Q4. Which one? Zelda. Yeah. Well, there's another one. Zelda. Um, this was supposed to be a Zelda Christmas, goddammit. It was, yeah. And instead, it's a Call of Duty Infinite Warfare Christmas? I mean, it I is. Know. Or it's a Battlefield it's a last, 1 Christmas? Last Guardian Christmas? It's a Mafia 3 Christmas? I mean, last Guardian is not on the same level as these other no, game, huh. games at all. I mean, for me, that'll probably be the Christmas game. I mean, think about that, though. That is Sony's big game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, and here's the, you know, and even from, like, impressions from TGS on The Last Guardian, or people's like, oh, like, the character, like, like he controls so weird, and like he doesn't, like he takes for a while like for him to run anywhere, and like there's like all this delay, and I'm like, yeah, have you ever played a Team Eco game before? Yeah. That's what they feel like. <laughs> they, they love inertia, you know. Yeah. And so to me, I'm just like, oh, great, sounds sounds like Team Eco, great. <laughs> but it's like that just goes to show that like a lot of nor- you know people haven't played these games before. A lot of average people and casual gamers pick these things up. They're not, like, why doesn't it work? Like, you yeah. know, like, like it's it's not it's not a 10 million selling game by any. What's Sony doing with all its money? It's like at TGS they showed off uh, Hot Shots Golf 4. They have shown that game off for like mm-hmm. three years now. It's still not out. It's a freaking golf game. <laughs> but that's the exact type of thing that you can release in yeah. that lull period. Make, sell half a million copies or whatever. Keep interest. Mm-hmm. It's an exclusive game. Well, I mean, like, like, Keep you, people engaged with your platform. And it reminded me of like one of the, you know, a Christmas, back when the Wii was at its height, one of the Christmas games we would play, what my friends and I would play, is Super Swing Golf. Yeah, which was called Pangya in yeah, Korea, yeah. where it comes from, and it's a, it's very hot shots ish. It's yeah. kind of got the I RPG played the element. crap out of that. It's game. great. <laughs> it is, where yeah. did it go? I played the crap out like, of that. Like, why can't I buy That's that? That's so funny. I found someone else who played that game. That was great. <laughs> I played it so much. I mean, I played that stupid golf game on Xbox. You know, the launch game or what? Power Power Stars Golf. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. I played that because it was almost sort of maybe vaguely like 
yeah. Super Swing Golf. Yeah. You know? And that was close enough for me. But it's like, I love those games, and there's nothing like it now. Those are the type of games, though, that should be filling in these gaps. Yeah. Like, we should be talking about Hot Shots Golf 4 right now for 10 minutes on yeah. Game Face instead of talking about this, which is there's no damn games. So, I don't know. It's... It's not something that's just going to end the industry immediately, but it's something that over time could really sort of cut into Oh, it. Gravity Rush 2 is not on the level of what we're talking about. Yeah, not at all. I mean, Gravity Rush 2... Looking forward to Gravity Rush 2, but... Yeah, I mean, that's, not... a, that's a niche game even among people like us, yeah. to be honest. Beautiful game, though. Oh, it looks great. What they showed off in, at TGS looked really impressive. So, all right, let's move on. So, Matt, I don't know, you were kind of a little out of communication this week, and this was a little bit of a smaller story, but, uh, so this game, Paladins, have you heard about this, what happened? Paladins? Yeah. It's not Paladins? Paladins, I don't know. (laughs) I I learned how to say it that way when I was a kid, playing Dungeons and Dragons, because we lived in the woods Mm. and no one knew how to say it, and I think this just carried on through my whole life that I say it that way. Yeah, I think, uh, what was it, they said Paladin in uh, Wing Commander, so that's how I go. There you go. So, Paladins is this game that looks exactly like Overwatch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not just saying this. Like, roll the footage, Sam. Like, it is... Press the button, Max. Yeah. Which one is it? Paladin. Paladins. Mm. So it's, it's this game that looks exactly like Overwatch. Like, literally, like a spitting image <laughs> of Overwatch. And people are accusing them of... Basically, video game plagiarism. Hmm. Like, they're saying that, like, you saw Overwatch, and then you saw the success that Overwatch had, and because of that, you made this game just hoping to skim off the top and get a percentage of people, or maybe even confuse people into buying your game thinking that it was Overwatch. And so, and it's Hi-Rez Studios, and I have a lot of love for Hi-Rez because they revived one of my favorite franchises, which is Tribes. Like, they didn't give up. They bought the IP and made a really good free-to-play version of Tribe. So I got love for them. So they went back, and they're like, no, 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 no. They had to, like, go and, like, pull out, like, all their design docs with dates on it and, like, basically prove to the Internet that it was that they were not plagiarizing Overwatch. So that got me thinking. Like, people are freaking out over basically them ripping off Overwatch. And so I started thinking, and I'm like, Wait a minute, why are they going after high res so hardcore over this when video game ripoffs have been a part of video gaming for forever? Yeah, it's called the NES library. It's called the <laughs> video game industry. It's like, like how, ma- how many terrible fighting game clones of Street Fighter were there in the 90s? I mean, that's and Mortal, Mortal Kombat and all that. That's that's how it works. Yeah. It, I mean, that's just this, that is how it works. I mean, are you going to call, like, every first-person shooter a rip-off of, like, Doom or Quake? Like, you mean, like, Duke Nukem Forever was? Yeah. Or Duke Nukem 3D? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm at a complete loss for how people are going after high res I mean, look, there is such thing as actual video games. It was like, I can't remember the name of it, but there was that game, that PC game that, like, it turned out it had stolen, like, all of its textures from, like, Morrowind or Oblivion or something. Like, like it was literally, like, you could see the same windows yeah. in the two games. Like, and they had to pull it off the shelves because, like, because they stole assets. Like, they literally stole assets. And that is a problem because, you know, you're not doing your own work. But, like, I don't think you can really copyright a game style or a, you know, if you could, I'm sure Midway would have sued everybody, the pants off everyone who used the digitized fighters thing in the wake of Mortal Kombat. Or you know how many how many Mario Brothers clones were there on the on the? Are there still? 
all the time. I mean, every indie game that comes out technically yeah. is like a, is a ripoff of Super I mean, Mario Bros. It's just constant. The, 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 the glut of open world crime games in the wake of GTA Well, here we 3. go, right here. I mean, here's Simpsons Hit and Run. Is right. that what this is? Yeah. Yeah, Simpsons Hit and Run. I mean, there are tons of like GTA clones. Oh, yeah. It's like... And some of the, I mean, look, some of them came into their own, like Saints Row was a pretty straight-up GTA ripoff when the first one came out with a, you know, a, a different take on some things. That, that series has, real, has become something completely separate and completely with its own identity and its own take on things. And, like, I, you know, you would never say Saints Row and GTA shouldn't exist in the same world because, like, G, they give you such different experiences. And so, like, in some, some cases, like, games like, like, you know, these sort of clone games can really turn into something special. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, just because the first one might seem a little Me Too-ish doesn't mean that they're not going to take it somewhere in the future. Well, here's a perfect example. <clears throat> Winback. Mm, yeah. Turns to Kill.Switch. Turns to Gears of War. Mm-hmm. So there's a case where, okay, are we supposed to just let Winback be the first cover-based shooter, and that's good enough, we're just going to leave it there? Mm-hmm. And then we don't get Kill.Switch, which, you know expands on the idea and then we don't get gears of war which and essentially which, perfects the idea yeah. and kill switch is exact is you know cliff Lazinski straight up says like, he that's the game it. that and i saw and i'm like oh but it's like that's the thing it's like sure it's a it's a unique game mechanic in terms of what they're doing but it's like that doesn't mean someone can't look at it and say oh hey we could do something with that we could yeah. do something different with that or, or you know now there are there are other examples like dante's inferno which we're seeing right now mm. where it went the other way. They try, EA tried to completely rip off God of War, mm-hmm. and they ended up creating this watered-down... With a very strange source material. <laughs> I Look, I love Dante's Inferno, in all honesty. Like, I've read that various versions of mm. that story, like, four or five times in my life. But it would never occur to me to make it into a hack-and-slash game, really. No, definitely not. I mean, they took that... I don't know if you call it a property, Dante's Inferno. Like, yeah, did they have to pay somebody to use that idea? No, that one's that one's been public domain for a while. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it. You know, maybe it just fell into their lap, and they're like, "Hey, this we can get this for free." Yeah, and... I'm sure that's what it was. But you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, if... they didn't pay. You know, Sony didn't pay anything to license the Greek gods either. I mean, it's, it, you go back far enough, and you got a lot of cool ideas for nothing. Yeah, I mean, I look, you're. Right on point, man. Like, if we don't get these copycat games who maybe try mm. one little thing a little differently. Because, look, there are... Especially because I, I thought, it was, thought it was silly. I mean, yes, Dante's Inferno turned out to be a pretty uninspired game. Yeah. But, like, why wouldn't you want people trying their own hand at the God of War formula? Especially because at the time, everybody was complaining about how God of War was just doing the same thing over and over again. What if one of these Me Too games ended up hitting on some idea or some gameplay concept that changed completely how we looked at how this, this subgenre works. Well, like, what we were seeing that'd right be there, worth it. There was another example of it. We were just showing uh, Guitar Hero right there. So, mm. Guitar Freaks, in the arcade in Japan, I used to go to Tokyo Game Show, and I would go into the arcades there, and I would play Guitar Freaks for, like, hours. Because mm. it was, like, there's nothing like it. Guitar Hero rips off Guitar Freak. Rock Band... Rips off Guitar Hero and creates a full band game. Mm-hmm. Like, this... And then Guitar Hero rips off Rock Band and adds the yeah, band. Does, right. <laughs> but think about it. Like, all these examples of clones or ripoffs of games have ultimately pushed things forward into amazing places. Like, mm-hmm. if it weren't for quote-unquote ripoffs or copycat games, 
We never would have got Gears of War. We never would have got Rock Band. Never we never would have got Overwatch because it's Team Fortress 2. You're right. That's I exactly mean, right. Like, it is a ripoff of Team Fortress 2. I mean... And it's, it's really good. It is. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it is. That's the way the industry works. And it's not just video games either. It's music. It's everything. Like Or like one of the things I'm playing right now uh, was the TH, you know, cause a lot of THQ stuff got bought up by Nordic Games. And a couple weeks ago, Nordic Games, out of nowhere, put out Titan Quest Anniversary Edition, yeah. and which you know, which you got for free if you already had had Titan Quest. And it's like updated with you know better resolution, texture. You know, it looks great. They've made tons of gameplay balance choices. So Titan Quest was made by a company called Iron Lord. It doesn't exist anymore. It was made up of a lot of X Diablo two developers who now they went on to make uh, Grim Dawn, yeah. which is uh, uh, I think uh, Crate Entertainment or something like that. Um, but it's a Diablo alike, and it's my favorite Diablo game, be- even though it's a clone, right. because it's it's just it's made by people who really knew what they were doing. It took a lot of the ideas; they're not all great, uh, but it's it just works. It just works, and like I love it. I love that game. I, I'm playing through it again, even though it's really really long and it never ends. Um, but it's like I'm happy that this clone exists because it's a different. Slightly different twist of the lens on that genre than Diablo 2 was, and I like it better. But that's how you make everything yeah. better, is iteration. Yeah. It's just like writing a, an article, a gamey vow. It's like, you write it, you think it's good. Mm-hmm. You walk away for 30 minutes, you come back, and you're like, holy crap. And then you rewrite it, and you maybe juggle some paragraphs around, mm-hmm. readjust how you have sentence structure, how you're handling sentence structure or whatever. Write some transition sentence in between your paragraphs, whatever. Iteration makes everything better. And you can't just count on one developer or publisher doing all the iteration with video games because it takes two to three years to make a game. Mm-hmm. So it's good that there are people who are taking the base ideas and then putting them sort of into their own framework, using that template, but then putting a little bit of their own creativity and their own spin on it because, and maybe they fail, but at least when they fail, they're showing other developers what not to do. Mm-hmm. And so just organically on down the line, every game in that style or in that genre is going to get better. And look, here's another case of a game where it didn't get better. This is uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle mm-hmm. Royale, mm-hmm. which is a Smash Brothers clone, which did not really push the yeah. genre forward. But again... Even though there are people who will argue with you on that. Oh, for sure. Which is hilarious. Well, yeah. Well, there are PlayStation fans who never owned a Nintendo console and were desperate to have a competitor for Smash Brothers. But... But again, things were done in this game that show developers what not to do with an arena brawler going forward. And I just feel like it's a necessary part of the industry, and I wouldn't even call it a necessary evil. Like, I just think that, like, if you don't have multiple people trying to do the same thing, you'll never get to the heart of what something is ultimately going to become. And I just I feel bad for high-res studios that for whatever reason... Nobody went after Blizzard when it ripped off Team Fortress 2. I have no idea why people are going at Probably because Overwatch is huge. Mm. And there are Overwatch fanboys and fangirls out there. It's so funny how Blizzard manages to develop fanboys and fangirls for well, look, its specific games. You remember games. when, uh, what you call it, when um, Warhammer Online came out yeah. and you had the World of Warcraft fans like complaining that it was a rip-off? Yeah. Of War- I'm like, Warcraft is a Warhammer yeah, rip-off. That's, that's what it is. Warhammer that's and Star- Warcraft and Starcraft come from Warhammer and Warhammer 40k. Like, it's yeah. very obvious. So, I just... I don't know where they got Diablo from, but <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> 
But uh, I just thought it was it's wrong that our people are going after. I felt it's embarrassing to me that high res had to like go through its filing cabinets yeah. and find like its design docs with dates on them to like show like these people online that like we didn't rip off the idea. It's like no, look, no one really accused Battleborn of doing that. No, <laughs> we, and we Battleborn sat here talked about those two games over and over, and not once did we ever say, "Oh, well, Battleborn is just ripping off Overwatch." Like. Because they were came out so close, to roughly. Here, but the but same Battleborn thing. is all, you know. Why isn't Battleborn a rip off of MOBAs? Right. Because yeah. like, it's the same thing from a different perspective. It's it like, is. Yeah. Well, because why isn't it a Smite rip off? Why did right. they get laid into? Because that's what Smite. It's very close to Smite. Yeah. You play from that third person perspective, and that all goes back to Savage. Right. Yeah. So, which just got a remaster, which I'm interested to see if anybody accuses that of being a rip off of Smite. <laughs> so sifters, if you're one of the people who went after high res, shame on you. Shame on you. Without people making similar games, putting their own twist on it, nothing will go forward. If you're relying on one developer or one publisher to shepherd an entire genre or gameplay style into the next millennia, it's not going to work. It's going to take so long. You're not going to see the progression that you would see if other developers are tackling it at the same time or consecutively after another developer has published it. so That's one reason I think it takes so long for the Bioware games to evolve is because they're the only ones making those kinds of games. Yeah. And then, like, or even, like, I think that's also partly the frustration with Fallout 4 is that New Vegas pushed the Fallout 3 formula forward so far, and Fallout 4 didn't take advantage of any of it. Yeah, you're right. And it feel that in that res- respect, while, it, you know, the gunplay works better... Everything else feels like a step backwards in Fallout 4 compared to New Vegas. And I know Bethesda didn't make New Vegas, but they could have looked at it. And that's kind of a case, too, Learn where, from it. where a publisher or a developer is being smug. Yeah. And saying, oh, well, you know, we created this, and you trying to say that you could do it better, oh, well, we're just going to ignore what you did, uh-huh. and we're just going to keep doing what we were doing. And in Fallout 4's case, that probably was the wrong decision. I would say so. I mean, I enjoy Fallout 4, but is it really all that memorable? Not compared to every other Fallout, including 3, that I've played. Like, I have yeah. way more memories of the various quests and the various situations that arose in all the other Fallouts than I do from 4. Yep. 4, 4 was, 4 was kind of like a fever dream. <laughs> like, I don't all remember I remember about 4 is the twist ending, pretty much. Yeah. Otherwise, in the sense, that's I- it. I remember. I remember watch, walking around uh, the stadium, like Diamond City, and like being like, "Oh, I don't know where anything is. I don't care." And I remember <laughs> trying to get in there yeah. and getting killed like five times because <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be there yet. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh right, yeah, you you <laughs> wandered all the way over there. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what. It happened. just got annihilated. And so, you're like, oh my god! I'm like, no, I was fine. Like, yeah, because yeah, like I was like ten hours in, I still hadn't gotten there, and you're yeah. like, I went right there. I'm like, well, that's what you're dying. No, I got destroyed. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next topic. Uh, so, have you heard about this story, Matt? Uh, oh, the digital homicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This goes back to it goes well. It goes a long way back, back to the Jim Sterling thing. Where but you know, like the latest, right? They um, what was it? They subpoenaed. Didn't they? Su- they subpoenaed a bunch of people, like a hundred Steam, Steam users, yeah, for their information so they could sue them. Yeah. And well, maybe that, we should actually go back and explain the Jim Sterling part for people right, who maybe don't know. Where it so, all began. Yeah, so you guys, I'm sure you know Jim Sterling. We curate all his stuff on Sifted, um, and he does really good editorial pieces, have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, so about, it was it two years ago that this happened? 
That sounds about right. It was a long time. It was a while ago. So one thing that Jim does is he goes on Steam Early Access or Greenlight, and he finds really crappy games on there, and then he rails on them. And he does, like, let's play. running commentary, let's play. He's kind of known for this. He finds really crappy games, and he does let's plays with them. Personally, I don't even want to spend the time playing these games, but... And he exposes... It's entertaining. It is entertaining, because he's an entertaining guy. But he essentially has exposed these programs to honestly be pieces of crap. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. These programs do not have mm. enough oversight, enough observation. Like, and this is a rare case where I feel like a corporation needs to meddle more right. with one of its programs. Well, usually they're also kind of like these things where people will just take, like, these, basically, like, these base Unity games or, like, these really simple things. They tweak one or two things and release it as their own game with a different title. Right. I think they'll, they can just make some free money off They'll cut and paste new textures yeah. into them or whatever. They're based, those are, like, real game clones. Like, yeah. we were talking before about, like, game clones. These are legitimate game clones where people just take, like, the source code mm. and just cut and paste new textures into the game and tweak a couple things. And, and so what happened was Jim... There's this developer, it's not even really a studio, it's like a dude. I think it's like a guy and his brother or something. Right, like that, yeah. called Digital Homicide. And so Jim had found one or two of their games in, was it Greenlight or Early Access? I think it was Greenlight. I don't remember which, which it was, uh, didn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, they, they, I mean, they were never going to be finished. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he found a couple of their games and started playing them on his YouTube channel and laid into them, and rightfully so, because their games are crap. You're looking at them right now. They're terrible games that are barely playable, very simple concepts. Yeah, uh, one I saw was like, this is Unfinished, zombie. like you can see, like, well, you, you can see exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. They're just crap. Like, what I saw him do was like, this, it was like a zombie shooter thing. Right. Like, I mean, like, he, he's done every one of their As generic as you could possibly do. So, so what happened is, Jim did his usual thing with, the, with their games, and they did not like it one bit. And so they called Jim out. Was it on social media at first? Yeah, they made like a YouTube video of his YouTube video. Right, pointing like, out the things like that he was wrong. screaming at him yeah. about things. And it, was, <laughs> it was weird. And it ultimately culminated with Jim doing an episode with the guy from Digital Homicide. And it got really, really nasty. Like, basically them, like, yelling at each other. Jim mostly just laughing at him because the guy was, like, completely delusional. Like, he was, that guy's out of his mind, really. He, he does, was then. He does not come off as the most stable, stable individual. Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of went away. Like, I think Jim and him maybe made peace after a while, although he threatened to sue Jim for, like, crazy amounts of money that, you know, he says Jim cost him because of his Let's Plays. Right. Because, you know, millions of people are going to line up to buy these games. A lot of people that threaten to sue you don't understand that damages mean... The, amount, the money you've lost Ooh. because of that situation, if you were never going to make $13 million, yeah. you don't get to sue for $13 million yeah. or whatever, what I have you. Yeah, you don't get paid for what you thought you were going to make right. off of the game. It doesn't work that way. And so, finally, it kind of died down. I think the last time I saw Jim even kind of reference it was like six or seven months ago, mm. kind of offhandedly. So, <laughs> last week, or was it last week? Yeah, I guess it was last week. Basically, what happened is Digital Homicide. Well, this is a few a couple months ago. They they were going to start. They just announced they were going to sue him. Right. And then so basically, he's run silent on this until all that's over. Right. But then he can't say anything because he right, fears incriminating right. himself. And so, but now a couple weeks ago, uh, Digital Homicide made a new move. Yeah. And they decided 
that, or he decided that he was going to sue a hundred different Steam users for negligent negative reviews of his game on Steam. There's one hell of a legal precedent to set. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to make any money on a Steam sale again if you let if you let that go to court. Well, here's the brilliant thing of the whole thing is that immediately Valve dropped all his games off of Steam. Yeah. So and there were a lot. Oh yeah. Oh, Digital Homicide has like very 20 games. prolific. Yeah. Oh, I went to their website today to like get footage for this, and I was shocked at how many games they have developed. Hmm. Because again, they're like cut and paste jobs where they're just taking something from another game and putting their own textures mm-hmm. on it or their own look or just tweaking like some element of it or whatever. I used to do that with old Mac games. I'd open them up with a hex editor and put my own sounds in it. Right. I yeah. never released any of them. Right, now. right, and tried to make money <laughs> off them. So that's the first dirty part about this is that this guy is basically taking the to the metal programming and code that other people are doing <laughs> and creating these That's amazing. God awful games. These are his games. This is the type of stuff that he makes. Somehow he thought how much is he suing Valve for, by the way, and the users for? Uh, I don't know. It's like eighteen million. It's a lot. Millions no, it's not eighteen million. million. It's, it's like millions. It's several million dollars. He believes that ultimately if no one had negatively reviewed this game, he would make millions of dollars off of this game. Well like how much does it cost? The game. It's like it, just, it depends. Some of their games are five dollars. Some of them are like a dollar. And of course, they all say like, "Buy it now before it, the deal's up." It's like, yeah, good one, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at this game. He never moved. He just stood in the center. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. So anyway, he and it, then, uh, while he announces this that he's suing Valve and these users, he also mentions that he's looking for free legal counsel. Someone who will take wow. the case pro bono and just take a cut of whatever. Because what he's here's Does anybody what, got Jack Thompson's phone number? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's what he's doing, Matt. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not counting on this ever going to court. He is counting on raising a big enough a stink, getting a lawyer, contacting Valve and these hundred users. I don't know how he thinks he's going to contact these yeah, people. I don't know. And getting an out of court settlement. This is like. The cheapest tactic legally on the planet. It's mm. like you don't have any intent on ever going to court. You're not worrying about building your case. You're trying to make something inconvenient enough for a corporation that it mm. would pre- or expensive enough that it would just prefer to pay you off to go away. And when I worked at Viacom, this happened all the time. So, and this is even you know because everyone's like, oh, he doesn't have a case. You know, he does. But here's the thing: in terms of Wait, yeah. you think he does have a case? No. Oh. I think he doesn't have a case. nothing. But here's the thing. Kevin's like, well, they, shouldn't, they should just take him to, to court and let him get destroyed and da 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 Here's the thing. Um, it's going to be cheaper to just pay him a little settlement yeah. than to pay all the fees and legal costs that it's going to take to fight him in court. Yeah. And then here's the and, you know, and, and when a, you know, of a, if a lawsuit is dismissed as uh, frivolous... frivolous. You have often, to pay the court fees. Yeah, often uh, you know the the person who brought the lawsuit will be ordered to pay the costs of the defense. Yeah. Of course, if the person cannot pay that, you the defense still had to spend the money. So there's no way he can afford probably to, to obviously to pay the the costs for that. So like it's cheaper in the long run to just pay like a you know a little settlement to them rather than spend all the money to get your, to mobilize your full legal team. Um, and some people don't know, like that. That happened with that uh, the, the shooting in Aurora, where the, the 
the theater got sued by the some of the survivors, and they was uh, and the lawsuit was dismissed as as not. And then so that, so then the court ordered the survivors who were left to pay seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for the the theater's legal fees. What? And so everyone thought that it was the the theater had sued them to get the money back, but it's not. It's just that's just how it works. That's and not so, a frivolous lawsuit, by the way. And so eventually the they the, got to be able to get into the back door of that theater and shoot no, people. That, well, it was dismissed because you do not expect a theater to be proof against a major assault by a, an armed felon, basically. Um, yes. Like it's not, it's not a reasonable expectation of a business. I guess you're right. Because we don't we don't live in bunkers, like so. <laughs> that really sucks for those. People. So at some point, well, at some <laughs> point, really the, if, if the theater has any PR brains at all, they'll just they'll they'll come back and appeal and then say we don't want the money from them. Just let them yeah. just let it drop. But um, like I said, like if you know, it doesn't make any sense for like Valve or any or these people to fight this necessarily because it's going to cost more to fight it than it will to just pay them to go away. Yeah, and that's probably what's unfortunate was going to happen. And the worst part about that for me is usually when that happens, there's some kind of agreement of secrecy, which means Jim Sterling will never be able to tell us what no, happened. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because when they pay the settlement, they'll sign saying you cannot talk about yeah. this ever again, like yeah. in perpetuity. Like you cannot yeah. say you can't. You won't even be allowed to say that like you got a settlement. No, like we would have to. Like he would. Like Sterling would have to write. He'd have to write down what happened and die first. Yeah, basically, like, yeah, we, it would much. have to be posthumously published, and that's that's a long time from now. Hopefully. That's the part that sucks about this is that this guy actually is probably going to get paid. He'll get something out of it, probably. Yeah. I mean, if he gets, a, and a lawyer will realize that, and the lawyer won't, the lawyer won't sign on to go to court and win a court case. That lawyer will sign on to go to litigation or to go to mitigation and sit in that room with mm -hmm. Val's lawyers and work out a settlement deal. Yep. It and is. He'll take his cut out of that, and that'll be that. Yep. It's so filthy, man. What this guy is doing. I, uh, you know, as if I couldn't like this guy more or dislike this guy more. Like he managed to find a way to make me hate him <laughs> even more. Like it's insane. But at the same time, like I hate to say it, but he's kind of smart. The problem is, is I wonder if Valve might fight this because it sets a precedent. Mm -hmm. So if he does this and if people hear about it, it's like at Viacom, like say they paid somebody off or something like of this, like you don't want it out there because then other people are like, oh, well, mm -hmm. if there's a big enough problem, then I can... You know, just go to them and be like, well, I'm going to sue you guys, and they'll give me whatever the settlement is they gave that other person. It just opens up the floodgates. Mm -hmm. And so... If Valve is powerful enough and rich enough that they could potentially, if they did do a settlement with him, uh, they could potentially say, oh, okay, but we don't want secrecy. Yeah. Like, we want to be able to talk about it. I honestly think Valve, just knowing the, Valve co could the go corporate the wall culture and just, there, and just I think it. it might fight it. Gabe, because his business is all steam in his business. Right, like, and one I also can see Gabe being offended enough by the situation. He hates this guy. Uh, yeah. I've seen quotes of him about this guy before because this guy's been a problem for Steam all along because he is the bane of Steam's existence. And let's not forget here, like I don't feel like Valve was completely innocent here because if you think about it, 
Valve is kind of partly responsible. Is kind of partly responsible for this because it created this. I know this game. Look at this. It's so terrible. Yeah, but uh, for a second there, like I didn't really like you left the mouse cursor on it. Yeah. Like capture it. For a second there, I'm like, what the hell is that? I thought it was part of the game. No. Like, like, did he leave a mouse cursor up on the on like the screenshot of the background uh, of the of the game? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's not your cursor. Maybe it's just the game. But if you think about it. You know, Valve created this environment where it allowed these god-awful games to become a part of its service. It was the first domino to knock over in the sequence of dominoes. The fact that Valve allows games like this to be sold Mm. on its service and allow people that there's no quality control in those programs from Valve. And so, while, you know, certainly Valve, I feel like, should win this court case, I don't feel like it's completely bereft of responsibility no, for I, this. No, I think, I think it, it, you could definitely argue that it's a, it's a time for self-examination as well. Like, if the users get taken to task for this and they go to court and have to pay, like, I could see where the users go after Valve. Yeah. And they're like, hey, like, this isn't our fault. We worked within the framework of what I, you provided us. I have a very hard time. result we got. I have a very hard time seeing them, seeing any success going after the 100 Steam users. Uh, even even someone taking that case pro bono, I don't think would yeah. would go for that. Because like you're I not going to get any. You've looked at some of you're the not going to get anything with Yelp and things like that. Like people have actually like businesses have actually won cases against people writing reviews on Yelp for their restaurants, mm. for dry cleaning, for tons of things. Like you are not completely immune to anything when you write reviews online. Like literally, like. Going on Metacritic and writing a game or game review on there, you're putting yourself at risk a little bit. Like, yeah. I was, I've been shocked to see people like lose court cases over Yelp reviews. Like, it's insane. Like, these people are just trying to help other people, and next thing you know, they're getting sued by some restaurant who blames them for their sales falling over the last three months or whatever. Like, this, I don't even know how to what how to describe the era that it is. It's the Everybody has a voice era. Like, it's come back to bite a lot of people mm-hmm. in the butt, and I hope that isn't the case with this. Well, here's the thing. is like, it's not the everybody has a voice era so much as the everybody has to learn what that means era. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's the way you couldn't stand outside of the restaurant and scream about how bad their pasta is without someone coming out and kicking you down, the, you know, kicking you out of the way. You know, like, yeah. like, there's, there's going to be a consequence to this if you decide to take this power and use it in, incorrectly or, or unwisely. Um, and but usually, in this case, these people aren't like no. But what I'm saying, but also, these games are awful, right? But what I'm, also, what I'm saying is like a lot of those Yelp things are like they were either hyperbole or the people had never actually been to the restaurant, or they yeah. were you know there was usually some fraud, fraudulent behavior involved there that was hurting the restaurant. In this case, like you can see on the Steam review, that's how actually many, not the case. Like there are lots of cases where people were completely honest about their opinion and. The court decided that they had gone too far and had become malicious about it. Well, I'm gonna have to look that up because yeah, I've never seen it'll that. really discourage you. Let me tell you. But it's not. Well, I don't use Yelp, so uh, it's it's different. I think on Steam in the sense that you have. I think your gold, your your silver bullet there is the fact that you can look at anyone who writes a review on Steam and see how long they played the game. Right. Um, and I know if someone you know thinks says this is the worst thing I've ever played. And they've played point one hours on it. Maybe I need to look at a different review. Yeah. Um, maybe not on this game, but uh, these games. But um, you know, you can you can get a little bit of a gauge off that. And now they've done that weird change where like, you know, the the the. I wonder how much of that is is tied in with the the review changes they've just made on Steam. Where like, 
what is it like? You have to have bought the game through Steam itself to have your your so, review yeah, count. So yeah, so we, t- we talked about this in the show last yeah. week, but they've actually changed it since the sh- since the show last week. So now everyone's reviews appear, so you can read mm-hmm. everyone's reviews regardless of how they got the game. However, if you Reviewed the game from a key you got for free, it does not count into the review average. Mm-hmm. So they did kind of find some middle ground between what they, they originally announced. So but I don't think that ties into this. It seems, I'm sure they've had that in, in the pipeline for a very long yeah. time. I mean, what but... Valve's response to this was pulling all his games off its service, which I just love. Because he's like, we were, don't bite the hand that feeds you, bro. Yeah. Like, without us, you won't make any money off of these crappy games. Like, you and should be glad and I that cannot we gave you a platform to release this cut-and-paste bullcrap you've been Well, I can't out. imagine there's a situation where, like, you could legally have a case that you are you deserve to be on... I mean, they're a private company that, like, you yeah, can't... Yeah, you can't. It's not a public utility. It's right. not a public service. Like, it's a private company. It's a privilege to mm-hmm. use Steam. It's not a right. Right. And that's kind of where you draw the line in the sand legally, so... And I know there's some there's some developers that would like to maybe uh, push that line and say that Steam is a monopoly in that sense. Which that, it kind of uh, is. Which you kind of... You know, but I don't think this will be the case that does that. But I don't think you can blame Valve for that. No one... Just no one's built anything no. else. And like, there it's are, not like it's like... There are alternatives. I mean, you know, you can use... Uh, yeah, if you're, you can use GOG. GOG is a valid alternative. A lot of people don't don't use it over Steam. I certainly don't, but I use it for... Well, it's an know, inferior product. Yeah. Um, it's not as widespread. It doesn't have the same discounts. It doesn't have the same... But, like, they've got some stuff that they don't have on the, on, on sure. the other servers, yeah. and so I use that. And I'm sure there's someone out there somewhere who uses Uplay, um, which I don't. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I mean, the only way this guy would have a leg to stand on would be if any of the reviews were going after him instead of the game. Mm-hmm. So if any of those reviews were like naming the guy and saying this is the jerk who went after Jim Sterling. And I bet a lot of them are. He's, they might be. And he's a piece of crap and he's beating his wife or says anything untrue about this mm-hmm. guy. He has a case. And especially, then he also has a case with Valve if Valve was not moderating the stuff and taking it down with, with, I think the actual legal verbiage is within a reasonable amount mm. of time. It's not like some just because that was one of the things that like. And whatever, I don't think anything gets pulled down on Steam reviews, right. as far as I can tell. So There's, I mean, look, he may sadly he may have a case here. Like, I hate to say it, but legally, if you're going to be a jerk about it and you're going to go after it, like he might end up getting a decent settlement out of this, which is still, just a crying still seems, shame. Still seems like it would have been simpler to just make games that don't suck. Yeah, but see, that's where Jim Sterling was smart when dealing with this guy. He never went after him. He always went after his games. Mm -hmm. Even when he had exchanges with the guy, he never said anything about the guy. The guy even tried to goad him into it a lot of times, but he wouldn't. He would just always talk about, he would always bring it back to your games, your games. Your games are broken. Your game is this. Your game is that. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, that's probably why the case with Jim has not shown up. And it was just threatened. Like, uh. because probably he talked to a lawyer, and his lawyer's like, you're crazy, dude. Like, you're not going to get anything out of this. Because he didn't defame you. I mean, uh. defamation, really, is what we're talking about. So, uh, this is far from over. Far from over. We're going to probably end up talking about this again in a future episode of Game Face. But uh, definitely one of the more interesting things that happened in the industry over the last week. And uh, I wish Valve well. Uh, I hope this guy never finds a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I have a feeling he's going to find one. Although I went to his website today and, like, 
top of the website looking for counsel. Mm. And right underneath that was... Better call Saul. Then right underneath that was, like, big thanks to the Arizona Republic for running the story. So I don't know if he actually found a paper that, like, took his side. Arizona Republic sounds like some, like, right-wing, you know... It could be. I I don't know what that paper is. Probably some local paper or something. I'm sure. But he had thanked, like, a paper for writing. He had a link to the article. I didn't read it. And then the games were under that. So Mm. he's actively fishing for some lawyer to take his case right now, and I hope he never finds one. So, all right, let's move on. To the last topic of the Big Six, this was probably the biggest game at Tokyo Game Show as far as interest. Uh, Metal Gear Survive. So, game had been announced, and you know, I don't know if you remember or not, but I was like, when we talked about it before, I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I was hoping that it would be good. Um, you know, I'm rooting for Konami. I'm not like Mr. Doom and Gloom. I want to see Konami fail because they split with Kojima. Um, to me, Konami is much more than just Kojima. And they showed the game at Tokyo. It's a bunch of other things that they don't make anymore. (coughs) Exactly. And then they showed the game at Tokyo Game Show. Mm -hmm. And it may be one of the worst games I've seen. Certainly one that's being marketed as a big budget game from a big publisher. Have you watched this, Matt? I watched a snippet of it. I (laughs) felt like I'd seen enough. Oh, my gosh. First of all... It's just Metal Gear Solid Five. Yep. Look at it. Well, what did you think it was going to be? A new game. No. It was, it was always going to reuse the same shit they already had. It reuses everything. Of course. It's the same environment. It's everything. They just put zombies in the freaking Metal Gear Solid Five. Yep. Dude. Ugh. <laughs> I tried to give Konami the benefit of the doubt. I did. That is why Go you back failed. and watch that episode. I stood beside them, behind them, and they just... And then they farted they on your head. They shat my face. <laughs> they really did, dude. This is so bad. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It is not what I thought it was going to be. You really you thought it was going to be like an open world environment like that? I thought it was going to be a reskin of Metal Gear Solid 5, yeah. Really? They're going to just reuse the ad- I thought maybe they might make it more of like a socom thing and like cut it up into pieces and do it that way. I thought but it was- I guarantee I was absolutely sure they were going to redo basically like be cannibalizing 5. I mean, they don't have enough time to make a new game. I mean, I thought it was going to be like uh maps. Mm-hmm. Like a shooter map. Like self-contained Different themes for each one. Yeah. See, see, I thought they might like cut the world up and make those the maps, but uh, I guess they just decided to Dude, plop everything look down. Look at this, Matt. Look at this game. Look at that zombie walking over there. <laughs> They're all the same. Like they all have. <laughs> what? They're... He's Fultoning the zombies well, he's out. Fultoning them through portals. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> this is a travesty. It's a travesty. And look, I don't think Metal Gear Solid Five is like all that in a bag no. of chips, but it took a decent game and just desecrated it. Like, I cannot say enough bad things about this game, man. <laughs> I really cannot. It is such a blatant cash-in. And they have the audacity at TGS to say the game is being made by the Metal Gear Solid Five team. Yeah, you mean like the eight dudes who are left who didn't jump ship to mm-hmm. go somewhere else or to go work with Kojima? Like, dude, it, all the zombies are identical. And then they show off 15 minutes of gameplay in this game. Like, the trailer looked nothing like this. 
It was all cut, cinematic angles, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, quick cuts. Didn't show any extended anything. And so, yeah, I mean, here you go. I mean, here's a trailer. You really thought that this game was going to look like this watching this trailer, Matt? Yeah. I mean, really? Pretty much. I mean, I thought I mean, gonna, they going to be a full recycling of Metal Gear Solid 5. They fooled the living crap out of me, man. After watching this trailer, I never dreamed the game would be what it is. No? No. No, look at this. Yeah, and then they zap out into another alternate dimension. That dimension happens to look exactly like the map from the, from the last game. And there you go. I just... Look, they're right in the desert right there. But look, you can't see that it's just like a M the MGS environment. Well, no, but because they put the sandstorm up there. But it's just, it's just another desert. Dude, I... All right, Konami is done. Pretty it's much. Done. It is done. Hit the lever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this... And you can see on the graphic there, survive right is there. right. Like, yeah, they're it's pretty much the same. Yeah. But no, it's not the same. But it's just a big barren wasteland. This is Konami's last hurrah, last well, they gasp. Hope, they hope they win you back. It's Konami grasping at straws, <laughs> like trying to hold on to relevance. Like, ah, uh, Metal Gear's done, Matt. Yeah, it's I, over. I it was already done. I I was never gonna play this game. But I was gonna play it. <laughs> <laughs> at least try it. I don't have any interest in trying it now, and I have zero hope that there will ever be another good Metal Gear game after seeing this. Probably not. None. Like Metal Gear, Solid, whatever. Metal it's Gear's done. Over. Castlevania's done. It is. Contra's done. Silent Hill's done. Look at it's this crap. Look at this crap. It is so bad. Gee, let's make a whole game based around this mode that nobody liked in Metal Gear Solid Five. That everyone played for two days and never touched again. I can't wait to see what kind of real-world money insurance you have to buy in this one. Oh my god! Like, that's, what, that's what killed me on uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Was like they did that update and I was out. Well, it's funny too. It's like I was defending. I'm like, oh, the price. It's like it's only thirty dollars. Like, dude, this game should be like. $5 <laughs> DLC for Metal Gear Solid 5 for Metal Gear Online. Yep. Wow. Like, I never dreamed it would be so bare bones and insignificant like this, man. Like, it's just like the worst horde mode. It's not even a horde. It's like two dudes. It's like three. You know, there's three guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be a real, uh, real tough competition between, you know, this and uh, uh, Days Gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real, real nail-biter yeah. there. Who's going to win? Very similar uh, concepts happening. You know what? Maybe in some ways this is good because this will allow the Metal Gear fans to move on. Because let's be honest, there are some hardcore Metal Gear oh, fans yeah. out there who were never going to let go. And maybe this is like the easing out transition for them. Mm -hmm. This is what they need to accept that it's over. But... Man, I have no interest in playing this. No desire to play this. I there's nothing compelling about it at all. It's awkward. It looks janky. It... Mm. <laughs> it's got the sheep though. Yeah, yeah. You can fool the sheep out, and the zombies all go and try to eat it, and then you can burn them when they go by the sheep. 
Boy, wow, that's, that's really creative. So emergent. They must have found that in uh, Kojima's desk on an old post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> Kojima have a, he said something about how oh, he yeah. didn't think zombies really fit the world. Or something. I mean, dude, the game is Metal Gear. Where are the Metal Gears? Where's anything metal for that matter? Look at this! It is insane. Portal sheep. Uh, let's just move on. Yeah, it's not good. Konami's over. We're, we're, okay. we're, we're time to come to terms. This is I mean, I kind of hope that maybe they'd sell off the properties like the way THQ did, but apparently not. Matt, let, let's just have a moment of silence here on Game Face for Metal Gear. Okay, that's it. Right. Kept you waiting, huh? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> All right. It's time for our trailer of the week, and I promise you, it is way better than what we just saw. Without a doubt. This week's trailer of the week is... Although it does have uh, the same word. It does. <laughs> it does. This is the launch trailer for Gears of War 4, which does not come out for another, like... Couple of weeks, few weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. I think it's October 8th. Is release it? date? I believe so. Is it coming out up against uh, Mafia 3? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to get code for Gears right now. I've been or on Mafia that. 3. I've been hot on the hunt for uh, the last couple of days trying to get Gears code in. So I did check the date. At least the date on Sifted is October 8th. So in just a couple of weeks, still early to release a launch trailer. But what I would say about this one is the trailer is good enough to sustain the hype until the game actually comes out. So. Get those questions in now. Here is the launch trailer for Gears of War 4. 25 years after our world was ripped apart from the inside, we had peace. But then, those we loved were taken. Mom! And everything changed. storm is coming, and my son is walking right into it. You kept our armor. If we don't stop these things, everyone within a thousand miles dies. That's a freaking launch trailer, dude. Yep. I'm sold on that game now. Like, 
it's been a build-up. But when they first showed it, you know, we talked about it on the show. We weren't all that excited about it. It's also crazy to think that the show has been going long enough now hmm. that we have seen a full, like, game cycle. So we were here whenever they announced Gears of War 4 for the first time, and we're still here, and it's about to come out. That's exciting. That's like a landmark for Sifted and for the show. But I digress. So I thought it kind of interesting how when they first debuted the game... They didn't show any old characters. Mm. It was just like the four new people. And the response to the game was tepid at best. And we're among those people who are like, whoa, you know, I don't I wonder if there was a midstream pivot here where they looked at the debut of the game and were like, people are really into this. And maybe they're like, look, I'm sure it was already planned to be in the game, like Marcus and all that. But I'm wondering if, like, after that initial reveal, if they didn't kind of huddle together and, like, look, like, uh, I know we wanted to, like, establish these new characters, but it's not getting it done. We need to sort of rethink about how we're handling our marketing program because coming down the home stretch, it's been all about Marcus Phoenix. Like, I don't know, you couldn't hear that trailer. I don't know if you watched it or not, but, like, they're constantly talking about my dad, my uh, dad, and, like, it's smart. Like, yeah. I think they made the right decision. It's just interesting to kind of see how that's evolved. Yeah, I don't time. know how, uh, if, you know, if the original idea was maybe to make a clean break, and, like, because people were saying Gears was getting repetitive, or like that. Yeah. And, I mean, the other problem... That game was awesome, by the way. Yeah. There's a couple shots in there that my heart went, ba -bom. I'm like, uh, oh, other, wow. I mean, the other problem is, like, the original demo they showed was boring. It was, yeah. Um, and they've really upped the action quotient on the subsequent because they didn't show it for another year yeah, yeah until it was the following MIA for a long time yeah. and then they, they clearly had you know gone much further in terms of, of making it a, an engaging and action-packed like demo yeah. and they you know that's a great trailer it and, is uh, yeah. it shows a lot of new things and it's nice that in the intervening 20 years or so they managed to build some ro giant robot mech yeah. things and you know <laughs> How about that one crazy, I don't know if it's a robot, but he has, like, those crazy arms that, like, comes up, like, uh, I don't know. Got it, me going, man. It definitely looks like it, you know, it doesn't look like the same old universe. It doesn't, no. So like, I think yeah. that's what Gears needed. I think that's what's exciting. I'm like, yeah. who, what is that? Like, mm -hmm. it's not some, like, crazy mutated, like, yeah, asking, organic creature. Asking what's that when you see a Gears of War trailer is definitely it's a, a big new deal. experience. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. Uh, I'm, ex I'm really excited for Gears now. I don't know if you guys are, but I am. Uh, let's get some questions, yeah? Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, Gurzilla. So, Brent and I answered this question last week, and now you get a chance to answer it. What is your uh, favorite environments in games? Oh. Um, like the stereotypical, like, video game Oh, like, like not specific game. Like, our answer was, like, the snow world. Right. Um, hmm... I think, I mean, the snow, the snow world mostly annoys me because usually there's slippery stuff in it. Um, <laughs> I like that perspective. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think... And I do hate that, too. I hate when you're yeah. on ice in video games. Yeah. And, like, you're trying to run and, like, you're running in place <laughs> and then slowly you build, like, the momentum. I think uh, I would probably say um, uh, a really good forest. Yeah. Like a really good kind of enchanted sort of thick forest you, area you run into. I like do that. You, why do you like that? Do you like it because it hides things and you can't see what's like I around think, you? Partly that. I think partly because of the color, the green color that doesn't you don't see in games too much. Yeah, you're right. A lot of, a lot yeah. of brown. 
Yeah. And also because uh, forests are not easy to do in 3D, and it's only just recently you're starting to see that kind of come into its own. Um, you don't see a lot of, you know, you don't see a lot of thick for and unless you're talking about the forest as being like the barrier that you can't go past, you can't go go off the path, right? But like, if someone like builds like a, you know, there's a couple of them in Dark Souls, the Dark Souls games, where like, you know, they're kind of these handcrafted forest areas that like are there to guide you a certain way, teach you, you know, they're not beautiful, but they're like, you know, a, a, a good forest, a good thicket, is probably, <laughs> probably my favorite environment when it's done right. Uh, let's see. Here's one from AJ the Legend Watson. Uh, what does the industry need to do in order to get back to its heyday in 2008? Go back in time and stop Steve Jobs from releasing the iPhone. Yeah, and the I mean, iPad. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think you put that genie back in the bottle. I don't think we're going back there. It's I think too late. There's too forward. many. There's a whole generation of kids who have been raised playing iPad and iPhone games, mm-hmm. and maybe a percentage of them upgrade, and it is an upgrade to what we're doing when they get older, but I really think probably the majority of them will stick with mobile gaming. Like, it's sad, but it's true. I mean, they just, they're not raised with the same expectations we had. And honestly, a lot of you people watching this stream weren't raised with the same expectations I had or Matt had. Like, I grew up in the arcades. Like, Mm. a lot of you probably, your only experience in an arcade is going to a Dave & Buster's or something. Like, that's not Mm -hmm. a real arcade, at least in my opinion, because I was in the arcades, like, the real freaking arcade scene back in the 70s and 80s. So, generationally, it changes for everybody. It's like, uh, for your generation, you're like the PlayStation generation. Like, a lot of the people who subscribe to Sifted or are probably watching the stream, they're a little younger than us, and when they think about they video games... They the, think of Sony. They think of Sony. And for Which us... to me, Sony's still kind of new. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm like, they're the ones who, like invaded the gaming mm-hmm. industry and did a great job of it, but they were kind of like the intruder who came in from mm-hmm. the outside and took over. Like, to mm-hmm. me, when I first think about games, I think, like, Atari, Nintendo, and mm-hmm. Sega. Like, those are... Well, then, like, I thought it was funny at last generation when the 360 started really dominating when you saw this the Sony generation of kids start to kind of like, what the... No, it's you like, saw that. It's like, yeah, because it's like, it's, that's what Sony did... To us, yeah. it was like, oh, they can't. These other guys, these yeah. like this big faceless electronics corporation, came in and decided to like kick the industry in this other direction and show them how it was done. Yeah, and that's what Sony did, and then it's what Microsoft did. did with Sony, and it was yeah. funny and to it see. It was funny to watch. The it was funny to watch the, the, the PlayStation generation react to the exact same. Oh my god, I can't believe they're buying all these exclusives. It's like, yeah, how do you think Sony got Final Fantasy VII? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> that's that's how you do it. That, yeah, I mean, that was supposed to be an N64 game. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII. It was not supposed to be a PlayStation game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like you asking if it's going to go back to 2008 was like me thinking to myself, is it ever going to go back to, like, 1983? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just... Time shifts yeah, what, on depending on what generation you're in. Yeah, what, when are we going to get another round of Crystal Castles games? Yeah, exactly. And, like, when is a trackball coming back? Yeah. Like, it's not. It's not happening. It's not. Yeah. It's like Matt said. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, unfortunately. So, uh, let's see. Do you find one by any chance? Uh, Thea Bram asks, "What are your favorite Pokemon, and are you guys on the Sun and Moon hype train?" I am. I'm walking up to the train station right now. Mm-hmm. I am starting to get pretty excited for it. Um, you want to share your favorite Pokemon? I, I don't know if they mean uh, Pokemon Monster or Pokemon Game. Oh. Uh, I think po- the Monster would be more fun. 
Yeah. Because all the games are kind of the same. <laughs> I don't know. I played I played a lot of them this summer, uh, yeah. catching up. And uh, there's incremental tweaks to each one. I, I, black and white is actually really interesting. Yeah, that's probably my favorite one to story. play, other than red and blue. Yeah. Although I really like playing the new one. You know, Omega Ruby and uh, uh, X and Y. I never even played it. Those are cool because like they're they're three D and they're three D and very different. And yeah. so like it, like the 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 I quality X and y, but not Ruby. the quality of life upgrades in the in the three DS ones are nice. But I think yeah. Black had the most interesting story. My favorite Pokemon itself. I mean, I gotta go old school, and I think I think my favorite Pokemon is probably. Um... Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, you know, it's probably uh, Charizard, which is kind of a cliche answer, but, like, my theoretical favorite Pokemon is Drat- is whatever Dratini should have evolved into that isn't Dragonite. <laughs> because uh, Dratini, like, looks so cool. Like, you kind of get, you know, the little blue sort of... Um, uh, the little blue sort of, like, seahorse dragony eel-looking thing, and then it turns into this giant green goofball... Or giant orange goofball, and I'm like, why? Like, it just feels like Dratini should have become something cooler. So, uh, but I'll go with Charizard because I like dinosaurs and fire-breathing dragons, and so I always like them. I can show you all my favorite Pokemon because for a long time when I go to Japan, I would collect these little capsule toys, Pokemon capsule toys that you could get only there at the time. And so I only bought like my very favorite ones. And so Psyduck. Is one of my favorites. I think everyone likes Psyduck on yeah, some level. Likes Psyduck. It's hard to not like. Everyone Psyduck. likes Psyduck, and everyone likes Snorlax. I think that's that's a rule. And I like coughing. Coffee. Because Pokemon is a kids game, and <laughs> <laughs> these are like the most anti-kid characters in all of Pokemon. Like they're basically like smokers. Is what yeah. it comes down to. They have a skull and crossbones on their chest, like. That's why I love them. They're like there's unlike. a lot of weird dark stuff in Pokemon. Like Cubone, yeah. wears his mother's skull on his head. Yeah, and all but that. that you have to like learn the lore to know what's going on there. You gotta read like, the Pokedex, this, sure. But like with this, you just look at them and you're mm. like, that kids probably should not like. Well, later this on, there's later on, there's like there's like Pokemon, like Ghost Pokemon. They're like this is the this is of someone who died and was buried in the wrong graveyard, and the, the mask is a representation of his face, but it can't remember what it's like to be human, so it cries all the time. I'm like, holy crap, yeah. people! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like crazy. And then Ekans or Ekans, he's one of my favorite because again he's kind of one of the darker ones. And then Haunter, of course, he's like the darkest of them all. So mm. those are my favorite Pokemon, mm. and they're all original 151. I might add. That's mm. all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> Although I do like I keep it OG with the Pokemon. I do like there was a um, one of the mythical ones they were given out uh, was a uh, it's like this robot insect thing. He was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but he was pretty cool. Looking. I already love Owlet. Oh, Owlet's cool. I like uh, Alice great, um, and I like the uh, I like the the like the kitten one, the fa- the fire one from the from oh, yeah, yeah. Sun and Moon. But yeah, I'm I'm on the Sun and Moon hype train. I have the uh, Amazon like you know metal case double pack ordered, one for me, one for my girlfriend. So we're gonna play some Sun and Moon. I'm excited for it though. It. it took me a while to get there, but I'm pretty excited for it now. Someone said that was an Onyx. Onyx. Yeah, it's an onyx. Oh, it's not Ekans. Ekans is an actual snake. Snake, onyx is yeah. Made of rock. That's right. My fault. Uh, let's you see. are not a Pokemon master. <laughs> I have not, never claimed to be a Pokemon master. <laughs> I definitely have never ever said that. Oh wow! As soon as I started showing off the Pokemon, the chat just went buck wild. It's like <laughs> scrolled like fifty feet. I can't even find the questions anymore. 
poofed, ar poofed arcades in the bowling alley from Alston. Wow. Maybe we should do show and tell more often. The chat just exploded. <laughs> uh, here we go. AJ the Legend Watson. Another one from you. I'm going to answer this because we never get sports questions. Shane, do you think we will see the day when Madden is related directly to fantasy football? Can you see EA trying to relate this with the NFL fantasy Madden football players? <clears throat> I have said for years, and I said it on Invisible Walls at GT many years ago, that there should just be a fantasy football app built into Madden. Um, Madden already has modes that are like fantasy football, where you collect cards, basically. Um, there's like two different modes now. It's all over Madden. But Madden has never just put a fantasy league into its game. Like, literally, you could just make it like ESPN.com, where you just pick players and use the real stats, or you could just draft a team and go into a league and play with those real teams. You kind of do that in the new one, but when you draft, you're not picking from like the actual roster of all available NFL players. Like you pick your team, like three players will come up at a time, and you pick like one of those three players. So I don't know why EA has dragged his feet getting fantasy football more thoroughly integrated into Madden, but it has. Um, do I think we'll see it someday? Yes, I absolutely do. I thought we would have seen it before now. So. I didn't hear a single word you said. I didn't think. I was hoping you were finding <laughs> questions while I was answering it. No, I, was trying like, to, I was trying to stall as much as possible. Uh, Stand user asks, what are your overall feelings on the Gears of War franchise? What were your thoughts when you first played, say, 1 and then 2? Gears of War 1 was a phenomenon. Mm. It literally, like, it took over the office. We, it was one of those games where we would all go home at night. We'd all leave at the same time at, like, 7 or 8. We'd be like, all right, we're going to go eat. We'll see you online at 9, mm -hmm. and we play... Everyone would get on at 9, and then it would just... Slowly, people would fall off as the night went on, until at the end of the night, it was like me and Bobby Burns left still mm -hmm. playing. And uh, it was huge. I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was... I had played the crap out of Winback. I'll show you my N64 cart. I finished that thing 100%. I did not play Kill.Switch. I knew it was out there, but I didn't play it. Um, and so for me to make that jump from Winback to Gears of War, I was like, holy moly. Like, I didn't play the middle game there that we were talking about earlier. So it made a huge, huge impact on me. Mm. Uh, Gears of War 2, I thought, refined it and kind of nailed it. <coughs> and then from then, my interest just started mm -hmm. to wane. I, well, I'd seen Gears stuff in the Unreal 3 demos at GDC for years before they admitted it was an actual game. So it was fun after all those years to finally see it come to fruition. I played co-op, through the co-op campaign with Kevin Pereira. Uh, every night we'd come back and play it. And I remember it was one of the few times any, any of us have ever done this. We finished the co-op campaign after like the second night, I think, and instantly went back to the title screen and picked the harder difficulty mode and started again and went through again on hard. And then when we played Gears of War 2, we did not do that. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were not as enthused about Gears of War 2. And then Gears of War, I played a lot of Gears of War multi. I played, I remember the first night we played Gears of War 2 multi, we were with our usual group. There was enough of us to actually do our own match. Yeah. It was like so many, and it's just, it wasn't working. Like there was like things where I was like, what, this doesn't, like how did that happen? And finally I remember my friend, my friend Chris, right? I'm like, Chris, meet me at the, at the stairs in the middle of that. And I'm like, okay shoot me with the shotgun and he like shoots me and he's like okay you're dead and on my screen it was like one two three shotgun blast it was like yeah. okay none of this is matching like it was the, the 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 sinking was completely wrong like we couldn't play once the shotgun roll was discovered 
that's when my interest in Gears started. That waning. didn't help, but early on, like I played that one night of Gears Two multi and never went back to it. Yeah, because it was the connection was so bad. It, it was didn't also work. just too similar. Like, and it I was feel very like similar. that's kind of my favorite mode, Gears though. Four as well. Like, I'm actually more excited for the campaign in Gears Four than the multiplayer. Same, and like, of course, Horde mode. We played Horde mode constantly because it didn't. You didn't have to be synced with your opponent for right. that. Yeah. Um, and I loved Horde mode. The Horde mode is the best thing to come out of Gears of War, I think. And I Probably. do love. I do love the the cover stop and pop shooter game. I mean, everybody gets tired of the waist high walls thing, yeah. but I love that style of gameplay. So. Well, because not many game. Well, for a while there, there for was a while, like there was rash of you know, clones, but now it's all but gone. I mean, you yeah. have Uncharted and Mass Effect coming back, yeah. probably. Not that they've shown us what that plays like yet, but yeah. And I like, you know, I loved Win. I played Win Back to All Hell and and Kill Switch as well. So I I always like that style of game, and to see it kind of look that good. Because you know, people forget that nothing looked as good as Gears then, really. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was especially with. Like, oh yeah, that's the other part that we didn't yeah. even mention is just graphically. Yeah, it was mind blowing. And the whole the, the destroyed beauty, like you know, art direction. Oh, the roadie run. There was just so yeah. much about it that was unique and new, and yeah. And I think after that first one, it just kind of. Yeah, I mean, where could you go, really? And yeah. like the and the physics based like grenade tossing was really satisfying, like throwing it into the emergence pits and all that. I mean, there's. There's a lot to love in those games. Okay, here's one from Eric Estrada. 12, what video game weapon would you like to own in real life? Portal gun. Lightsaber. Or gravity gun, either one. If lightsaber doesn't count because it it's counts. a Star, it's War, in it's video a Star games. Wars game. Um, Portal gun for me, man. Portal gun's pretty good. <laughs> it's like, how does it get any better than that? Hmm. Hmm. Boy, Not the bayonet, chainsaw, chainsaw bayonet. No, I feel like that's just gonna—you're gonna lose a limb real fast doing that. <laughs> um, hmm. At the same time, I'm like, oh, the plasma sword from Halo. Nah, that's not too shabby. <laughs> but that's gonna—that's gonna—you're gonna take off an eye at some point. Gravity gun's pretty fun. Too. Gravity gun's pretty great. Um, portal gun would be useful just in terms of like travel. Yeah, I mean, just like leave leave a port. Like, if I could leave a portal in San Francisco and one here, like that would that's save, what me, I'm a, saying. save me a Nobody, lot of time. That's what I'm saying. Just for travel alone, just all the fun that you could have with it. Like, I, for me, that would be the ultimate. Like, shoot the portal, mail the gun to your right. to your friend. It's like, <laughs> okay, we're here. You know, it would be too sweet. Uh, let's see if we can find one or two more. Uh, Vox 91 with AAA games. I prefer to say big budget games instead of AAA. Because you never know if a game's AAA until you review it or play it. Uh, with big budget games seeming to go more in the genre blending direction, is there anything you think a game might lose by doing that? Well, I think... Um, it's purity. Well, <laughs> It's focus. It's virginity. <laughs> um, I think you lose, like, say, um, you make an open world... Uh, game, you know, I, I, I'd say maybe compare Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, where like you know, making it open world opened it up and kind of gave you that Batman and Gotham City fantasy, but you lost that focus that Asylum had and that tight design of every you know everything you went through in Asylum was tightly designed and focused to achieve something and direct you a certain place and give you a certain experience, whereas you know more open as as these games kind of everything becomes an open world or open space uh, idea. 
you kind of lose that focus of of, of handcrafting the player experience. So I would say you, you kind of lose that. Although I, that. I prefer the open world thing overall. I think the advantages outweigh the shortcomings. But that is definitely something I notice n- losing when you move to that idea. I would say you lessen the chances of making the perfect game in a particular genre. Because mm-hmm. when you're focusing on multiple gameplay types instead of just one, it's just common sense that the chances of nailing one of them is, is lessened. Because you're, mm-hmm. any amount of time you're spending working on something else is time that you could have spent on nailing a core concept. Yeah. I think maybe a good example of that is Super Mario Sun- Sunshine. Because they introduced Flood into that game and the whole like ink and water mechanic. And I felt like the pl- actual platforming in that game kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they got back to it with like the Galaxy games where it really got just back to like pure platforming. How good are you at a 3D platformer? And, and Sunshine had those little like you know, non-Flood sections right. where they still... But in the like main game... But, co- but even game, those weren't as good like, as what we had. They were pretty the- good, but in the main game, it just wasn't there. Yeah. So that's kind of the example I would use to describe that. But And look, I'm not saying that Super Mario Sunshine wasn't good. It was a good game. but in I'll say it wasn't good. I didn't like that game. I, I enjoyed it. But I would just say in general, not even, Beautiful, just, yeah, not even just with that game, just games in general, the more you try to do in a game, the lower the chances that you're going to nail any specific element of mm-hmm. any of them. At a certain point, you're going to end up having, at least one element's going to end up being like, just make it work. Right. Yeah, pretty much, because we have to ship this sucker. We delayed it twice already. Um, Rewind Play Labs. I also want to apologize. So last week, Rewind Play Labs was added to the Assifted Elite All-Stars, and I got his name wrong, and I feel terrible about it. So my apologies What did to you, you say? I just called him Rewind Play. Mm. And uh, so I, I apologize for that. I just want to let you know that. Um... Do you think, and this is from him, do you think mobile is affecting the industry in a negative way? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't see where else the microtransaction model would have come from. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I also don't think that what mobile is doing we're seeing right now. I think it's something that we're going to see five, ten years down the road when these kids who are five years old right now who are playing Fruit Ninja on their iPad are still playing iPad or whatever it is, whatever mobile games are at that point in time, five and ten years later, and they're not taking part in the part of the hobby that we enjoy and we in the part of the hobby that we hope will succeed. Because, I mean, when these kids are 15 and 16, we're going to be old, Matt. Mm. And we're going to be like the crotchety old guys who are like, I remember when video games were blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Why aren't they that way anymore? Like... These kids never have never known gaming the way that we know it, and they probably never will. So... Being selfish, and personally, I would say that is the one way I think mobile gaming is negatively affecting at least my hobby. Well, I think it'll, it'll we'll see, because I think a lot of these kids I see uh, who are raised on iPads and I, on iPhones are graduating into real game. You know, my niece is eight, so when she's 16, I'll be 48. Um, and uh, she's, you know, she has inherited my old gaming PC, my old laptop. And now she plays uh, Stardew Valley and uh, 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 Slime Rancher and um, The Sims and Spore and all. She plays real games now. That's the th- it's like she gra- he has graduated to real, and she still plays stuff on her iPad. But you know, when I'm up there visiting, 
she's on that computer all afternoon. That's good. And she's playing real stuff with a mouse and the keyboard and moving her. And I'm and you know and I'm like, oh, she's like, don't you like Stardew Valley? I'm like, I don't really like Stardew Valley because I don't like the controls. But she has completely adapted to how the controls work on that because she's a Minecraft kid. Right. And she doesn't see anything weird about it. And so I and and my nephew who's young, much younger. Like he likes to play some simple stuff on his iPad. He's only four, but like, but he loves sitting next to my brother-in-law and watching him play his PS4 games. And he has preferences too. Like whenever he scrolls through the the games on the library thing to go play, he'll point to The Witcher Three and say that one. Witcher Three to him is that one. Play that one. And he's like, no, I'm done with that. I'm not going to play. But he loves playing The Witcher. He loves watching him play The Witcher Three. And his favorite game is Just Cause Three. Because uh, sometimes uh, my brother-in-law lets him uh, hold the controller and fly the helicopter and blow boats up. Right, right. And so, <laughs> but they kind of see yeah. those. They seem to kind of see those games as big, big kid games, as, as like adults play those games. Yeah. And so, like once you putting a controller in their hands was sort of like a rite of passage almost. So I think they a lot of these kids are going to grow up into that, and it'll be okay. Because I think I think they will graduate. To not to be snobby about it, but I think they will graduate to real video games as we move forward. But buckle your seatbelt for 20 years from now when the mobile game nostalgia wave hits, because I don't even know what that's going to be. <laughs> just just endless, endless nostalgic hidden picture games. I don't know. Uh, here's one from Super Cordon Blue. I've heard people say that Miyamoto has passed his prime. How do you feel about this? Um, maybe? I don't know how much he physically does on these games anymore. He's the creative fellow, right? Well, he's the... Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's the one doing the work. Um, I don't know. See, he's he's so high up now, it's hard to know, like, how hands-on he is with any particular game. You know, he does seem to have a lot of uh, personal investment in the Pikmin series. I would agree with that yeah. statement. I would be surprised if we see another Super Mario World level <clears> game <throat> or Mario 64 level game out of him. I mean, let's be honest. And he hasn't really been running the Zelda franchise for a long time. Though. Yeah, Numa's done that. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody, as they get older, with few exceptions, their creativity level falls off. But what happens as you, as you get older is your experience starts to fill in the gaps for your creativity. So all the things that you've learned from making mistakes in the past kind of compensate for the creativity that you've lost over time. And so while I would say creatively, yeah, he probably is past his prime. Um, and like Matt said, we don't know what he's doing. Like we don't know where the mm -hmm. ideas of Nintendo's products are coming from, who's the one who comes up with. But as far as big overarching concepts i mean the man created like genres and do i see him doing that anymore no i mean he hasn't created a genre in forever i mean think we was we music his last attempt at that if it was mm. out of that or i mean i, I still there's I mean, still Pitman, part of me I guess. there's part of me that really wants to blame him for what star fox zero turned out to be yeah i mean it prep he could have had a hand in it i mean i have no evidence of that but it just feels like I mean, the bottom line is, as the head creative person at Nintendo, which is really what his job is, mm -hmm. you know, you can judge him based on Nintendo's output. And so I guess I would turn the question around to you, based upon that, do you feel like he's at top form? Do you feel like Nintendo's at top form? 
I think it would be hard to say that right now. No. So, <laughs> Not if you live through the Super Nintendo era. Obviously, I have tons of respect for Miyamoto-san mm. and everything he's done. I think there's a lot of major creators that are past their prime now. Yeah, for sure. And it's, there's some that aren't yet. Yeah, you know, some, it's like they say, Father covers. Time is undefeated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's the only thing that's undefeated on this planet. And, uh, you know, no matter how creative somebody is, I mean, the only person I could maybe think who seemed to get more intelligent as he got older was, like, Einstein. Mm. And part of that was just admitting when he was wrong. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. So, that doesn't mean he's not going to come up with some awesome something or other before it's all said and done. But I think if you just look at the output of Nintendo over the last mm. 10 to 15 years, I think it's hard to argue that he is still at the level that he was when he was a young lad. So, one more, funny, one, maybe one more question before we go. Um, there's, been, there's been a lot of discussion about how uh, Miyamoto is out of his prime. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, people hate Super Mario Sunshine. Hmm. Um, here's a simple one. What's your super? Did we just do super court on blue? Yeah, we just did one. For All right. He has a lot of things. Yeah, some people just keep asking, hoping that we answer a lot. Yep. <laughs> Sublevel twenty eight asks, "Is it weird? I'm looking forward to E three already." No, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't think it's weird at all. Especially since I think we know pretty much everything that's going to happen between now and then. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't have the stress involved with E3, um, I'd be just like you. If I were just a consumer just who loved video games and bought video games and played video games, oh yeah, I'd be right there with you. But for us, it, there's other things that get wrapped up into mm -hmm. it. It doesn't make you not excited for it, it just makes you stressed out for it. So it gives you a little bit of a sense of foreboding, yeah. I think, because you know... What do we say to the god of E3? Right. Not today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, you know there's this big project <laughs> looming, and there's only so much time to get ready for it, so you just kind of have a little bit of apprehension, like knowing it's mm. coming. And... and we might get a little more ambitious than last year. Yeah, I have a one, feeling so. we might. So, uh, so, yeah. So be excited. You should be excited. It's going to be an awesome E3. Please be excited. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's it for uh, for Game Face sixty three. Um, <clears throat> as I said, look for our uh, gaming vow of Forza Horizon three tomorrow. Um, everybody have an excellent weekend, a great night. Uh, we do have one more thing, and you have to you have to remind me of this every time. <laughs> I should have like some like a shocker in my pocket that like as soon as I start to wrap it up, you just hit the button and it just shocks <laughs> me. So we do have another sifted elite all star this week, not just elite. All-Star. This person went from zero to a thousand right away. And I actually have a question. So so bring it up. Vin Hill, is that you? Is this your <laughs> Is this your alternate account? Is this your B account? Is this the account you're gonna use to go and flame people and troll people on Sifted? Um, seriously though, Vin Fang went from zero to one hundred to become a Sifted Elite All-Star. You are the man. Thank you. We really appreciate your donation, man. It did not go unnoticed. So thank you so much. Um, everyone have an excellent... Vin says it's not him. So <laughs> maybe it's someone who's like ghosting you, Vin. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, everyone have a great weekend. Um, hopefully it's full of video games and other stuff you like to do. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Game Face is up and out. <laughs>